What is going on, everybody? And thanks for checking out We Gotta Know podcast episode number five, Strain Part Two, with guitarist John Franco and drummer Chris Walker, who filled me in on how they both got in hardcore, came to joining Strain in 1995, as well as show and tour stories, the recollections on recording the classic Here and Now album and our NDP, as well as some great stories about vocalist Jody Taylor, who sadly died far too young in 2016. Please support the podcast by liking us, subscribing, and leaving a review on your listening platform of choice, which will help us out and also keep you up to date with upcoming episodes. We also have an Instagram account and Facebook page as well, so please get in touch. Give us your feedback, how we're doing, and who you'd like to see on the podcast in the future. You can check out our homepage at www.anchor.fm slash podcast as well for info and to stream all our previous episodes. Thanks again. Enjoy the show. Hey, Chris, can you hear me? Waiting room. Sweet. John. You got him? Yeah, he's connecting right now. Yeah, he just texted me, too. Are you there? Yeah. Can you hear us, John? Yeah. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sweet. Right yo, yo. Thanks, guys, for doing it and so quickly, too. Oh, good. Yeah, Thanks for having oh, us good. today. Oh, for yeah. sure, man. What have you guys been up to during this COVID thing for the last year and a bit? You go first. Go, John. You want me to go? Oh. Yeah, go for it. Pandemic. Well, it was off for a little bit there. Um, as soon as it hit, I guess, when, you know, the first lockdown. We were just, uh, yeah, just kind of sitting at home doing whatever <laughs> pandemic <laughs> stuff, watching the toilet paper rush <laughs> off the shelves, the supermarket, you know, it's like, what the hell's going on? So, um, after a while, just, you know, the movie business just keeps going. People need to watch stuff while they're off. So it's kind of a blessing that way for work, I guess. So yeah, I've just been working ever since. So I haven't really been feeling like much of a pandemic, although I'm taking all the precautions. For sure. Definitely. Yeah, I kind of feel like I think we've some of us have been pretty lucky and it's been relatively steady as far as work goes. We're just lucky to be in industries where we can do that. And we were shut down at uh, at the Oval there, as I was saying, for a couple of months and got things back up again and following safety protocols. So it's it's been scary to watch everywhere else. But uh, we've been pretty lucky all around, I think. Starting to get a little bit ugly here. Now we got hit late, obviously, compared to a lot of places in the world. But yeah. holding it together for sure cool do you guys just want to give a brief kind of uh you know description kind of what it is what you do that would be cool because even i'm not totally sure like i say john about yours and, and chris you too right so. yeah oh well, um i'm involved in the post-production sound side of some movies and tv shows that come through vancouver so a lot of stuff is based in la um so like everything's filmed out here then it has to go to a post facility and we're like the last step in the process where we add you know the bgs and foley and all that stuff and we mix it all together in a 5.1 sound uh, stage you know so it's just like it's like the very end point where you see the big mixing consoles on you know on those i don't know if you've seen any videos of like star wars getting made or <laughs> it's certainly not that <laughs> extravagant but it's like um like skywalker ranch you know that's there's a guy, guy sitting around a big console with like big movie screen in front mixing all the sound that's pretty much what we're involved in there definitely not on that scale. so sweet how about you chris uh, I mean, I'll even go back as far as after, uh, after strain, just a couple of jobs kind of in the tech field, but ultimately ended up going back to school to, um, get uh, kinesiology and got into fitness. And that even ties back into strain. Actually, it was, uh, it was Sean Landy who at the time started really getting into fitness. And I was like, well, what am I thinking about doing? Was thinking about different careers. And he totally got me into hardcore, into kind of weightlifting and working out, and so kind of stuck with that. Yeah, I went back for a kines and uh, got into doing some PT and now working at, uh, work at a couple of different gyms, just being personal training and fitness attendant, that sort of thing. Made my way to Richmond Ole. I'm the 
personal training supervisor at the Richmond Oval now. So it's kind of a nice combo, a little bit behind the desk and out on the floor and training people and just trying to help people get in shape, keep myself in shape as well too. Getting old now, so we got to keep moving, you know? Definitely. Yeah, it's been good. So I guess we should just get into uh, like a brief introduction on how you guys got um, into music as as kids and then eventually into you know, into punk and hard, well, metal for Chris, definitely. And, to, and it, it eventually led you guys to punk and hardcore. Yeah, you go, you first, Chris. Uh, yeah, Jamie, we've known each other for quite a long time since back to my probably first or second band, I guess. I, mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, it was all metal back then. So I think like all of us, right? How did we first get into music? We heard it and, uh, and you know, we had groups of friends who were into the same kind of sound and music and kind of built it from there. So metal back when I was in those teen years and getting into 20s was obviously the thing in the 90s. And we all kind of rocked out to it. So grew yeah. out from there and didn't really, hardcore, I didn't even really, wasn't even aware of. You probably remember the time when metal and punk, uh, especially even in Vancouver and kind of West Coast, didn't really get along, right? So hardcore yeah, but- kind of developed out of that, I think, so just good times then and then getting from there into strain and, and meeting those guys and just discovering hardcore and, and that element of it was, was pretty awesome. And let's just go back a little bit into, into carry on. Was that your first band? That was my first legit band. Yeah. So that at the time was um, me just teaching myself how to play. It was Lombardo and, uh, and Ulrich growing up watching those guys play and just learning off of that, didn't even really have video so much back then. So just kind of making it up as you go and learning it as you go. Learned from local drummers as well, too, obviously. So, you know, growing up with guys like Terry from Armorous and uh, Bob from Caustic Thought and watching those guys play and seeing how they do it and stealing stuff directly from them, that kind of thing. Right on. <laughs> okay, so I should mention is this is, a you know, the majority kind of a hardcore podcast so far anyways that um, the band you were in, was called carry on as in with a k as in a r r i o n as in decaying flesh and not carry on the straight edge hardcore band from the uh 2000s from from california and supreme echo a record label from vancouver island here in british columbia put out i guess what was essentially a discography or at least the two first demo tapes yeah yeah that was just recent and what did you think about that uh that was awesome i mean jason's doing amazing stuff how he's preserved local music and and brought it back uh it's incredible so it's really cool to be able to really now hear some of the classic Vancouver and, and lower mainland music from back then. Like some of us still have got some demo tapes that uh, nobody's got cassette players. So it's, yeah. it's hard to pick up and listen to some of that. So getting it digitized and having like a new breed of, of music in Vancouver, listening to that classic stuff or just reminiscing is awesome. So oh, yeah, he's doing shout a, out to Jason for sure. Yeah. He's doing a killer job with those packages for sure. Still totally. Coming, yeah. What he's got coming up in the future for sure. Just wanted to run this by you, this myth or urban legend, Chris, that I never asked you before. But for years, I have been in the understanding that Gerald Rattlehead, when Dave Lombardo left Slayer, was going to get you the first time, was going to get you an, an audition. I had heard that as well, too. Yeah. So I don't ever, I don't remember talking to Gerald about that. I probably did. And I just don't remember whether I did or not. So whether that was just a rumor or not, like that doesn't sound like something that would really fly around as a rumor for any reason. So uh, I think Slayer at the time was just reaching out to everybody anywhere. Right. So 
and somebody might have sent in one of those one of those demos, and those guys heard it and thought it would be worth giving it a shot. Right, would have changed my history dramatically to have that opportunity, <laughs> but that didn't didn't service. So, okay, cool. So carry on into minority, which was minority was like a hip hop kind of almost rage against the machinist, but more hip hop metal influence into that that band. Um, yeah. Was that your second band? Like, what did you do anything in between? No, the the kill was the second band, and then oh minority. right, so got yeah. more into sort of a prog metal kind of deal, like really just thrash at that point. So we sort of went from the death metal of Carry into more progressive with the thrash and the kill, and then yeah, minority was sort of out of left field with what was going on then kind of the, the new metal and the Deftones and uh, biohazard, those guys, um, Rage Against the Machine, we were quite into that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot the kill. Fuck. That's when I think I first met you actually was, I think I don't, it, it I don't was think we met yeah. when, when I was in Carrium. I think it was uh, at a kill show for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Those are good. Those are some good shows. Yeah. The kill was a great band. Okay. So John, we'll get over to you then. How did you get into it all? Obviously, there's a long answer and then there's a short answer, but it goes all the way back to when you're a kid, like being stoked on guitar or something like that. You know, like for me, it was like early, probably like 84, like Rat and uh, Motley Crue yes. kind of start, started it out for me. I was so stoked on like the fucking Sweet. guitar sounds. Like, do, 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 do. It's like, I was like, you know, using a fucking tennis racket as a guitar. I was like, fuck, I want to play the band. <laughs> so um, whatever that turned into. Nothing, obviously. <laughs> I'd, I'd, my parents didn't buy me a guitar, so I was begging them to buy me a guitar, like an Eddie Van Halen copy or something like that. I was like, nah, they, like thought it was a joke. Like, you're never going to play that thing. Like, But I was like, in my heart, I knew I was going to play it and wanted to play it. But And then, you know, moving on, and, you know, that dream kind of went away quickly when I was a kid. <laughs> I, you know, starting a, you know, skateboarding, um, you're introduced to uh, a lot of punk rock. And when I first started skateboarding, I'm meeting a lot of old guys in the scene they're them showing me like demo tapes of like or just just fucking giving me tapes of like bad brains and suicide tendencies or i was like what the fuck is this shit so it just like changed my whole entire life like skateboarding brought music so from from music meeting people and these people kept throwing me tapes throwing me um new music and i just like eventually got to uh you know there's it's the skate rock stuff that i was always into and then there's obviously you know, the hardcore stuff like Minor Threat that was obviously in everyone's ears. And then, you know, that, that Minor Threat changed my whole life pretty much. That's the one thing that everybody has to say that has in common, definitely aside from being in hardcore bands later on, is Thrasher Magazine and the, the importance of like the Puss Zone articles and the, and the reviews and interviews and stuff that turned so many people onto punk and hardcore. Yeah. And, cool. and Skate Rock, the Skate Rock volume Abs yeah. series, which, you know, I, I was able to you know, skating over at the Richmond skate ranch there. Greg DiNardo was actually working the boarding house when, you know, I looked up to that guy. Like, he's just so cool to us bringing us in. And he's like, Hey, buy this. And he threw him through me volume two thrasher skate rock. And it was just like, there's fuck, you know, McRad's on there. It was fuck, so rad getting it from, you know, DiNardo was always there in the beginning, which is pretty rad. And, you know, as the story progresses, we'll definitely hear his name. So yeah, going from that to, uh, you know, then meeting up with you, you guys, like you got, you, you actually probably, 
um, introduced me to a lot of the New York hardcore stuff, Jason. I so, think like, it was, uh, from my remembrance, John, I mean, that was 92 when we met through our first mutual friend, Jason David. I think you knew more about hardcore than I did at that point. Because I remember you turning me on to like, oh yeah, you got to hear Shelter. It's a dude from Youth of Today. Like, who, who's, who was, was Jay? Like, is Jay got me into, I can say definitely, initially meeting him before you turned me on to like all the straight edge bands that I'd see, never- See, heard. I didn't know that. Because like, yeah. there was like, it's just like this other side of hardcore that you were listening to that I wasn't. So like I was listening to Shelter, all the Revelation kind of stuff, and you were like a lot of you were listening to a lot of the East Coast stuff. So like oh, I yeah, was definitely I was yeah that's so it was a, like a big turning point for my like we were all kind of melded together, and Jay was definitely was like a mechanism and all that. Like, okay, he, yeah, no, I was wondering because yeah, it's known each other a long time, and I've well, that's cool. See, that's why this podcast is so cool, man. I didn't know. Yeah. So was there anybody else like that was really that uh, you were hanging out with or getting you into the you know the pivotal kind of stuff that would influence you? From, from then on, it was like, I guess, it, it, you know, then meeting like Jody and uh, right. those guys and they would show me a whole different side of the straight edge hardcore that I've, you know, some bands I've never really heard. I never really, at the time, I, you know, Turning Point and stuff like that. I was like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't really listening to Turning Point, but that shit just like, it was just so inspire, inspiring to me. So yeah, these guys came with a whole different, like, you know, Eric being like the, the <laughs> pretty much from the start of hardcore, he was there hey, and then. Man. Yeah, so he has the knowledge, and he just passed it on. You know, listening to his his radio show as well. Like we yeah, all, sure. the weird thing is, like everyone was listening to that show, Flex Your Head, at the time. And um, you know, from us, we were listening to it. We'd record tapes and you know have play them in our car or something like that of his radio show. And then you go I go in North Van and meet those guys in North Van, like Keen and Carlos and uh, Landy and, and uh, Jody and Thompson, and everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone's on the same page. It was just so you know. So fucking crazy, like hardcore really like even beyond behind the scenes is like it's a fucking tight web. Yeah, no, totally. And it's funny how my recollection, you know, like say we met in ninety two and we started that straight edge band we played for about a year i think it with john and his uh brother joe called face off which was the one of the first straight edge bands around for that sure was, that was the first band i ever played guitar on because i was a bass player my parents actually bought me a bass Oh shit! I didn't know you had never played in any I, band before. Crazy. No, I, I played in bands with like just, but nothing. That was like you know, I've never played shows before that. And like, okay, but yeah, uh, yeah there was a, there was a time when you know I was jamming with Jay David there, me and my brother, and then I was playing bass. So okay. it, when we started our thing, I was about to play bass, but then Jay was like, "I'm playing bass. You're playing guitar." I'm like, "What?" Like, I don't know. I don't play guitar. It's like, yes, you are now. Shit, I, it's like, I don't. I, <laughs> it's like, what I, I the didn't fuck? know that. <laughs> so I didn't even own a guitar at the time. And, you know, so borrowing people's gear. And then just, you know, I've, I've played some, like I learned how to play chords and shit, like through the years, through my, my friend Rob, he's, you know, he left his Fender at my house for a few, few years, like a year or so. So I was able to just fuck around and learn a bunch of covers and stuff like that. So yeah, that's where kind of where it all began with guitar anyway, like probably like 92 area. Like, yeah, I think we started we started playing in the fall of that year. And at that point in time, I was trying to figure this out with Sean and Eric when I was interviewing them about it. Did you did you know those guys at all at that um, point in time? I did not know those guys. Um, neither, neither did I. In 92. Um, and, you know, yeah, so it's it's it. Those guys were doing fucking strain then, too. Like they were already went down the fucking West Coast, you know, with uh, we, Undertow. So. Yeah, we talked about it. It was basically that they they had the jump start by, you know, maybe I don't even know if it was six months because we were talking about how it was fun, you know, like we didn't know each other. And then like we played that show 
at the Pitt Meadows. It was our second show. We played the TR house out in Maple Ridge, that party. Okay. The first one. And then we played that. I think it was like a month later in the winter with Strain, Spark Marker, Sludge, just all the semen, all the, you know, all the, all the bands from the uh, suburbs. That was a huge out show. There. And that was with the first real show that we played, but that was. Um, and I borrowed a guitar for that. Like you I actually, you remember I we were all the time. I had to borrow a fucking guitar for that. Like, hey, dude, go borrow a guitar. <laughs> Things going out of tune, like some piece of shit. You know, I was like, oh god. Yeah, um, but, but it, we pulled it off. You know, it's like it, by the skin of our teeth. I said, what the fuck? But it was, um, it was, yeah, meeting was those guys. Crazy. I remember. I remember when they, you know, they they were loading their gear in. Like we have, we didn't really have gear, man. What do we have? Like we were borrowing all the gear. I think Jay had a bass amp or something. We were borrowing the, yeah, yeah we were borrowing. Everything else is like, everything yeah. else is borrowed. But these guys come in with these fucking road cases and like exactly. the big boys in the fuck tour van. I'm like who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they just had that attitude, you know, it was just it was, like, fuck, these guys are, I don't know. Like I, we were preparing, like these guys better be good because they sure putting <laughs> fucking a bunch of like, whatever attitude into it so um and i i you know dude like i don't really re- i remember the show but i don't remember the performance so much maybe because I, I was trying to you know get with a girl at that time or something but um <laughs> that was I did, the motivation eh? yeah probably you know fucking kids but um i remember them being a force then and it was with kim and uh jinx so um, yeah yeah that was their second show yeah and from from then on they 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 knew we they knew who we were like they remember that show and they they're like hey you're you're so and so you you know you're you're buddies with collins or whatever so like um that was kind of like that show was kind of a stepping stone to meeting everybody it was really weird it was almost like you know going into a fucking chat equal of going into a chat room or something like hardcore chat room on on online or something back for back then like we we matched and we we met a bunch of people there like definitely um yeah, it's it's just cool. Like it just seems like I don't know if that it, you know obviously that stuff happens still, but we, everything was just becoming then. Like we were still reinventing hardcore. It seemed at that time. So like, well, yeah, we were, I was mentioning everybody to, was. Yeah, how to me, my recollection of that was that that was kind of the end of the mix kind of bills of like having semen ever play with strain. Like how freaking weird is that, right? But like the Vancouver <laughs> hardcore scene slowly. My like I say, in my recollection of it, it was like Green Day got huge shortly after you know, Bad Religion, all those bands. And then that was the, you know, like I say, for me, I remember it being, that was the start of the Vancouver hardcore scene away from the suburbs and into Vank, moving more into Vancouver and kind of starting, you know, with there. Yeah. The strain. And you know what I, funny about that, that Pit Meadows show, they didn't re- remember it. I don't know if you do, John, but Jody wore a backpack the whole show. I do not remember that. <laughs> Holy shit. I actually, I think, I, do you, do you, did you ever see photos, Chris, of that show? Or were you at that show? I don't think I was at that show, but I do remember seeing the second time I saw Strain. Uh, and I think that Greg and Len were in the band at that time. Uh, but Jody wasn't wearing the backpack while he was on stage. <laughs> but the first thing he did, as soon as he got off stage, show was done, grabbed his backpack and just put it on. Just like walked right through the middle of the crowd and laughed. It was just, it was amazing to see. It was so cool. <laughs> Weird. What was up with that backpack? Intense. What was uh, in there, was dude? So intense. I don't know. I don't know, man. But yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was a total pivotal point for definitely for Vancouver hardcore and like not patting anybody on the back. That's just the way it happened, right? Again, yeah, like at least different. At least in, in that direction, every, you know, in our worlds, like I definitely. don't know, you know, 
but like it seemed that way. It seemed like a pivotal moment. Yeah. Um, it, it was it, for me um, in music, for sure. Like um, without that moment, I probably wouldn't have branched out into um, other ways, which is uh, pretty crazy just to think back you know you think back on like how did i get there there's like it branches from that show (laughs) you know it was it was pretty cool that way yeah from then on it's just like you know just getting into hardcore and living and breathing it and like skateboarding i was still skateboarding a lot but i was mostly like i was devoted to music and playing music and then you know various bands uh you know i ended up uh you know, after, after, um, face off, which was my, you know, the first time I was ever playing a show and I moved on and started singing for that band Thumbscrew. From, oh, yeah. And we did that for, for a little while. Like, I was, it was, it was cool. And that way I was meeting those guys from, you know, from, uh, Abbotsford and driving all the way out there. Uh, you know, I was still in high school at the time. So, and from then on, you know, it's just, uh, playing more guitar and playing with my brother and doing some like post-hardcore stuff that we, you know, with Ryan Hallett and Kelly Burnham, we're doing some stuff there. From then on, it went from pretty much directly into strain, I think, from what I remember. Besides like little bands like with Keen and uh, Jay David and my brother. My brother was always there playing playing drums, my brother Joe. So once we met those guys from from um, all those guys from, from the Lynn Valley crew, it just kind of morphed into a close bond. So Getting into Strain was more like, you know, they were inviting a friend into the, the band at the time when I was there. Like, obviously, there was a test. Um, Sean tested me before I was, I was, uh, <laughs> he told me to play a riff and I played the other. Uh, he's like, hey, man, uh, I heard because I guess something happened with Donardo and he was out of the band. And then yeah, he's just like, play this riff. And it was a riff for Surrender. And um, it's, it's obviously, it's, it's, you know, Sean Landy riffs are not, they're not easy. They, they have, they, they might sound simple, like, to some people maybe but they are all over the fingerboard and they need to be played with a certain finesse i guess um he he wasn't having that success with other people playing his riff this riff was like to move forward with his uh project so um he's like hey man play this riff and i played it and uh he's just like i saw in his face he's just like holy um he played it and he's just like you want to be in my band <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> it's, like, it's like yeah dude and I, but little did he know is i you know i used to fucking you know I used to sit around and practice my guitar to, you know, playing riffs. I used to put my guitar amp in the middle of like two speakers and just jam out to like integrity and learn all their riffs and learn all like all, all the hardcore riffs pretty much. And strain was part of that um, regime. I just like, I pretty much knew all their music. So I, I already had, I already had the skills. Like I was already prepared for that moment. You know, it's like, like, okay. Like I know how to like play all, all your riffs, dude. Like pretty much like exactly how you played them on the recording. Anyway, it's like, and that helped me pass that that little interview. You know, it's like it's like fucking okay, cool. And from then on, that was that was it. So that's awesome. And then you tell it all to me. Yeah, and then and then after that point, which it's very shortly after, within the same year. I mean, we I don't know if we should uh, keep going with this or. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, obviously. So I was in the band. Um, it was like '95. I was in the band. So from you know '93 to '95, that's like not very long, but it felt like a, you know, when you're a kid, it feels like a long time. Like yeah. I've been through a lot in those three years, not owning my guitar to owning like a, an SG and a full stack, you know, like, so in three years or, and then being in strain, but they were like, we're going to Europe and uh, we've, it's already booked with, you know, we're going to have Jinx come out with us to play guitar. And uh, Gabe it, was playing drums, but, but before Gabe was playing drums. Oh, um, yeah. That, so that was the plan. So just have, you know, it's like, dude, like, we'd love you to have you man but like he's already prepared for this and like yeah dude no problem you know like i would do, I'd do the same like i i like 
we got to move forward with our plan. When you come back, let's, let's fucking rock it. And he's like, yeah. So as time went on, Len, like, I think like a week before they went to Europe, he just disappeared. Two weeks. It was a two weeks. Okay. Two okay. Weeks. So, so those guys already talked about it. two weeks. He just disappeared out of thin air. Everyone's like, what the fuck? Where's this guy, man? I think he left we, the door we, open to the jam spot too. Yeah. We talked about that on with, on the, okay. With so Eric, with Eric uh, and Sean, definitely. That was a great story. <laughs> ran away with the Krishnas. And, the Krishnas. <laughs> and that's like the first, not the first time. I'm sure you've heard all the other stories. And no, I can't wait no, to hear that. Really interview. Go into that if you like, I need to share, John. Oh, I don't know. I, fuck, <laughs> Eric would probably tell these stories better than me, but because uh, I wasn't there. I was just, I was like, I'm yeah, secondhand. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so they were fucking like, what the hell are we going to do? So they got, you get that kid, you want to go to Europe? <laughs> it's like, okay. So he fucking learned the songs in two weeks and got, they toured Europe, man. It was crazy seeing that lineup. Um, Gabe style, like he, he played everything super fast. Like <laughs> he's, cause he's, man, he's, he was so hyped, you know, he's like, he felt the energy in the crowd. We were talking about this because uh, I'm, I'm, we're, we're I'm jamming with him right now. And um, we, we talk about the old days all the time, but he's just like the energy in the room. I just, you know, couldn't handle myself. I was just like playing so fast <laughs> <laughs> and uh, seeing the videos from that time are crazy. So the two weeks in that two weeks, they were preparing Gabe and um, Jody and Sean were like, you know, now you have to find us a drummer uh, when we're gone. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I've been in the band awesome. for like, fucking, I don't know, a month. So yeah, just dude, no problem. I'll fucking, I'll go on. I'll get some guy. Like, I'll meet someone. He's like, all right. So they just left it in my hands. Like, it was so weird. So uh, I remember seeing an ad in Track Records. Yeah, maybe I can't. It was it Track Records. This stream is looking for a job. I had no clue that Len had left, and I was like, oh shit. Oh wow. Yeah. I don't. So, I do not remember putting that ad up. Yeah. So most what likely was the, did. did you try anybody else out? Like, yeah. Just let let us know how how that came about. Honestly, like. I don't remember trying anyone else. There might've been a couple of guys, but, um, and they, they were just horrible. I don't know who, who it was. If they're listening, sorry. Um, I don't know your name because <laughs> I can't remember like it's a fog, but um, there was a time I, I, we were, I was searching and, I, and uh, the Starf- starfish room show and it was a minority. It was like, fuck, I, you know, those guys were our buddies. They love strain and I didn't want to steal their drummer or anything, but <laughs> Um, went to see them, right? I, I was, without even thinking, like, I'm uh, looking for a drummer. I was just like, I want to go uh, see Minority, you know, and went out to the show. And then there was, you know, they came on and there was, there was a big drum riser. And there was this huge double kick kit on it with, like, crazy toms. And fucking Chris there looking like a rock god. But Dave Lombardo's <laughs> <laughs> like, holy shit, this, this is fucked, dude. I'm just losing my mind, like. That's him. Cause he reminded me so much of Lynn, like just like the roles that you were doing on all the toms. And uh, cause Lynn had the, the extra Tom going and uh, he had a double kick pedal, but you had double kicks. So you, you had, you were definitely more metal, but that's exactly what strain needed. Like strain needed kind of a metal hardcore drummer. Cause that's the sound, right? So as, as you guys understand. So I don't know how things came up. Maybe Chris has more of a, I mean, remember it's more about me approaching or that, approaching, but yeah, I remember that night it was a, it was a show that we were playing at the Town Pump. I think you were there. Sean was there. I don't the, know if Jody was it the was Town there. Pump. I thought it was. I thought it was Starfish Room, dude. The I don't know if you saw us play Starfish. You, you might have, but when I, I think, spoke to you guys, it was it was the Town Pump for sure. Yeah. Okay, so it was. We saw you at. We saw you then, and then that's when we trained our. And like, then I think you. 
approached me there. Yeah. Yes. So, and that was, that was a weird night for me as well too. Cause I was still, I was still drinking a fair bit at that point as well. I mean, it was playing a minority. So I was definitely drinking most nights that we were playing shows. Yeah. I don't know what it was, if it was before or after we played. And then one of you guys came and grabbed me and just, uh, we went kind of the back area and we're chatting and hanging out. And I was totally blown away. Cause I was like, I had seen strain, had seen those couple of shows before and I was fully blown away. And it, I just couldn't fathom that band wanting me to play and the style that I was playing and the style that they were I was just like I don't even see the connection there but totally so I was really stoked at that at that whole idea but uh yeah I remember Landy was there and I think you were there too John but yeah, I don't was, know if Jody or anybody else or if Eric were there yeah I was there for sure man I remember nice and then it, it occurred to me later I'm like look at the caliber of the guys that are asking me to play in this band like Eric uh like knowing who strain were at that point and how how big they were in the hardcore scene in Vancouver kind of to that point Every band I'd been in, I sort of helped organize and put together. So I felt like I was kind of right there from the start. And then I'm like stepping into this already established band that are rocking it and then trying to mimic what Len is doing. And like you said, I think our, our styles kind of are similar that way. So I was pretty happy with that. And uh, you're, yeah, you're a, a lot step. smoother. You're a lot smoother of a drummer at that time. I think like, I don't know how, you know, obviously Len's a fucking brilliant drummer, but yeah, you, you approached it more smooth, you know, like Just he, he was really kind of like robotic. Yeah. You, yeah, you were more like fluid, you know, like, and you can hear it on the here now record, you know? So like, that's, that's the, those are a lot of the differences. And then, but, but also Lynn had the, some of the hardcore roots, which he was putting into his drumming and uh, it, it, you, you obviously, you know, you picked them up as you went. I remember you picking them up and like, yeah, yeah so. it was definitely as we went, like if you listen to here and now and me trying to play like a classic hardcore beat, it's, it's still pretty sloppy because we are still, I was just picking it up at the time. I've always wanted to throw in some double kick or just play it like a straight metal beat. So it was a, it was a cool crossover getting into hardcore there and learning it on the fly and having Landy and, and you guys yelling at me to play harder and hit harder. <laughs> yeah. Hit harder. It's only man like learning the songs. And then every time we'd stop, Sean would be like, cool. Okay. Play it again. And just hit harder. So that was started turning the drumsticks the opposite way. So I could just bash the shit out of the kit. Yeah, we're, I think behind the scenes, we we're like, how do we get him to hit harder? Uh, okay. I'll tell him. You know, like, so they're trying to tell you as nice as possible. Yeah, hit it harder. You know, it's like. <laughs> so I'm trying to be all intricate with my, yeah, with my skills here. Passive aggressive, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, yeah, and then slowly you, you change your uh, kit around and you turn it into a five piece, more hardcore style. That's kind of how our lineup sort of started with uh, the exit of Greg, which, um, you know, it was awesome seeing that lineup with Greg. Um, I just love, sure. I love the sound of his guitar because it was so like it was so grindy and gritty um, the way he played it. And um, our our lineup was definitely more. We were all about being tight as fuck, like as tight. There's no, there's no, you know, tone like overtones and stuff. Like it was tight as possible as we can. Like just so crunchy. It's crunchy and and it's tight and robotic. It was doing the guitar, you know. Recording guitar tracks with with Landy was definitely a learning experience because like he he would like listen in and and if there was just a little bit out like we'd have him hard panned and like okay we got you know got to do it again because you, you're just a little over like and you could barely hear <laughs> like oh fuck you know so my ears definitely uh, grew as well um, for, to hear these uh, um, to hear the dynamics of the of recordings um, when I was a kid so. Um, yeah, so just jumping jumping back a little bit there. Um, do you guys remember 
did you play your, or I guess you guys must have played your first show together then they came back after after that first European tour do you guys remember the first show you played it was with Strife I believe Seattle right yeah was it Seattle or was no, it Strife it was in California that's right yeah so that's when was we played Kelly? for Hartsfield yeah we played yeah. for Hartsfield oh that yeah that was the first show yeah yeah I do not even remember that show man it was a blur like go we drove that was the first time I've ever been in LA um we're you know sleeping on the fucking Marshall's cabinets in the back. Like if there was a van rollover, you'd fucking get crushed and die. Um, <laughs> and you have 24 hours with, with Jinx's crazy van that had like a shitty steering wheel that had so much play that you'd turn it like quarter of the way and it wasn't doing anything. <laughs> it's like 24 <laughs> hours down there. And then we played with Strife. We're like, holy fucking Strife. Absolutely. It's like, we're in California, we're playing Strife. And then, you know, me and Hartsfield and which is a blur for me. Um, Chris might remember those times. You remember that? Funny, none of those. I've none of got sorry, some, guys. Sorry, Chris. I was gonna say. No, no, go I, ahead, man. I asked, um, like, say Eric and Sean don't have any recollection of talking to him either about it. Like, did he sign you guys that <laughs> night? I, I, you know, dude, I don't. I think he may have, like, in a way, I think he may have seen us, and then he took off, and then he contacted us. Okay. I, he possibly could have done that. It wasn't. Uh, or he could have talked to us. I don't remember, man. It's a mystery. Like I think he uh, actually may have spoken to somebody there because I do remember some rumblings from maybe Eric about uh, about Mike being there and, and checking us out. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, it, that was the whole reason we went down there is to play for him. So yeah, it was a um, showcase show, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, or uh, I think it was. I'm not even sure what it was, honestly. <laughs> Just like Strife headlining some show and. Uh, I still have the poster of that, I think, somewhere. We, yeah, we went down there. We, and obviously he was stoked. And uh, here now was uh, on the uh, agenda. But before we even recorded that, we went in, I think, yeah, just before we went down there, we actually went into Mushroom with Blair. And that was the first time Blair actually recorded Strain for, and, that, for that comp. It was, yeah, it was torn away. So is that for yeah. the comp? Okay. Um, I can't remember the comp, but that was the first time ever been in the studio with Strain um, and a big studio with like a real fucking producer who was amazing behind a desk and all that stuff. And then Mushroom Studios was just, it was just so rad to be. It was so awesome. Um, So we recorded that to tape and uh, he heard that and he's like, yeah, let's fucking do this, you know? So then after that, we, that version of, of uh, Torn Away is, is the version on, on here now. I think we just remixed it. We remixed that. We, we were struggling to re-record that one for some reason. I don't remember why. We eventually just said, fuck it, and just stuck with the original because it was, it was so tight, that, that original recording. Yeah. It, yeah. It, was, it was weird because me and Sean, for that recording, we used, I had this Ampeg amp that was designed by Lee Jackson, who is like a, a Marshall amp guru guy. Um, so it, it, had some, it had some cool tone to it for like metal hardcore. And Sean, I think Sean was just in between amps. He didn't know what he wanted. And so we ended up using my amp for both tracks. And it just sounds kind of, we never were so happy with the, you know, the stereo spectrum of that because it's just like one amp. So it, yeah. it, you really need to change up the amps to make it sound like natural or whatever. But um, I don't think we we're so happy with that. We may have retracted the guitars. I can't remember. This is getting nerdy. But... <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, man. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, after that, um, I don't know what we did after if we played any shows. I, actually, yeah, we did. I think that's when we started playing string of shows through Vancouver before here. Now, do you guys remember the? Do you remember the first show, Chris? Uh, don't. 
It sucks. I don't remember. So the first show after California? Yeah, your first Vancouver show. Uh, the first Vancouver show. I don't was... remember. That was a long time ago. Oh, Jesus, mm. uh, I don't remember. The... So it's 95 still, like going on 96 at the time. Is it Java Joint? No. Because we were practicing that, there that was, upstairs. That was, uh, Java Joint? No, uh, you're talking you're about Crosstown. Crosstown traffic. Crosstown. Oh, Crosstown, yeah. It could have been. It could have been some hall. Like, I don't know. We could just, you know. Yeah, we, we definitely played shows, a string of shows, because we were like, we were fucking tight. Um, we practiced a lot. We practiced three days, four days a week, I think, um, up upstairs in that uh, place I became, Renegade. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, we had to pay a pimp money for rent. <laughs> yeah, his oh, girls. And what was his name? Yeah, Will? We had to pay right. Will, the, Will the pimp. Will the pimp. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he was in charge of our, our money and yeah so we just practiced like crazy and then i don't know what shows but then we went and uh he gave us some money and we locked out uh, mushroom studios for two weeks so two weeks of mushroom is our own which was, was just really cool um all these awesome. obviously we before then i'm kind of rushing it we had to write the record of course so we wrote all those newer songs that were not released on anything else and unfortunately there's a lot of songs on that record that were previously released and i always wondered like why we were releasing cycle and alter driven i mean I, yeah, those are my a lot of songs those I are my favorite songs question. yeah i asked the same question to the other guys and it was because it was like i think most bands because i know i can i can say the same thing happened for burden when we were doing our full length is it was a matter of time you know we didn't have enough enough songs to to actually release a whole new album worth of songs so i think we did like three or four old ones they previously released like you guys did and like we had uh we had to get it done in time to go to europe so i guess and they were saying that they definitely both um eric and sean definitely prefer the the songs that were written you know just for just for the record yeah um there were you know obviously I, those other songs i, I already knew, i knew those songs even before i was in the band so it's like but it was it was nice to do it our own way you know because the other recordings were not nearly as good so i think there's a, you know, I think the, the guy from Seaweed actually recorded some of those songs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those recordings are decent, but with the band that we created with the lineup, we really refined the sound. Like we were, we were tighter than ever. I think that that was the tightest strain has ever been um, sure. with, with the five of us. It's it, strain, strain was a different band before. Like it almost changed that much. Um, and I loved it the way it was before. So it's like, it's just, it turned into a tighter thing anyway. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm still kind of torn between the two. Like I look at it as two separate bands altogether. The the original strain before I got on board and listening to that and learning those songs and fucking rocking out to those songs. I actually kind of prefer those original songs to even to what we recorded, mostly because I'm just so critical even of my own playing. Like it had more fun definitely recording them and rocking out to those songs, but listening to those originals, they're so they're so raw. And there, there's something about that, even a lower quality production to it, that just sounds, it's just so raw. They're so deadly, those songs. We did kind of slow them down a bit and threw some groove in there and, and uh, made them quite a bit heavier, but they're still, I think, my favorites now, even more so than what we recorded. I, you know, obviously, they're my, some of my favorites as well. But um, when I listen back, you know, it was hard for me to even listen to here and now um, for the longest time. Because um, it was a, it was kind of strange. Jordy was Jordy was really weird then with his vocal with vocals. He he was like very self critical of himself. It was it was like an aura of that in the studio a little bit, you know. <laughs> so uh, at the at the time, um, and it it, it kind of translated on the on the record. 
and it um it wasn't just i'm not saying that his is or it ruined the, the session because because it did not at all he was just amazing and I always thought he was he just it, it was almost like he, i don't even think he he was feeling too hot with his his uh, performance on there um for some fucking reason because when i listen back to that record it, it is it is probably one of the it's a fucking heavy it's it's fucking evil heavy goddamn record and his voice is probably one of my favorite parts of the whole record so it's weird how that how we kind of think how our parts are or how we play or um when they're because because we're so critical of, of ourselves and it's it's actually not that way it's our brain changing it that way like like i think personally um chris's drumming uh, overshadows everything um from from those two or three recordings that we did from in the past in, for sure so like yeah I think once you let that go, you can start to hear it and you're like, okay, I can, I can hear what this band is supposed to be instead of like being critical. It's tough. I, I do remember that when we were recording it too. And, and Jody, there were, there are parts where he would do it over and over a few times. We're like, dude, you, you destroyed that. You rock it. It was so good. And it, in a way it's kind of cool. Like it really translates to him not being super confident, but him just giving it everything he's got on those recordings. The, the here and now recordings, his vocals are just so so strong and then the confidence on the second on the uh on the ep you can hear the confidence in his voice um and he grew into it definitely for sure he knew he started knowing what he really wanted um even effects wise he loved that slap back effect that yeah that uh blair used to throw this like it was like an old rca tape machine in the back of the console and he used to just run his vocal through it to get the slap back effect like old school old school it's not a plug-in it's a real <laughs> deal and uh He's just like, hey, you could put some of that effect on there. He's like, no problem. And then you could hear it all over, all over that stuff. He just he started knowing what he loved and he started writing awesome. Like his lyrics were even more refined. Um, you know, obviously always about despair and pain in life, but he he started uh, refining his style so much and his vocals were his vocals were way more controlled as we went. Yeah, and that that was a different session. You know, that felt that session felt more positive to me than the here and now session felt like we we're we were all just trying to like learn like who we were as musicians at the time. Totally, yeah, yeah. I remember hearing you guys. Had, sorry, you guys must have been playing the at least some of the new songs live. Right? We were definitely hearing those yeah, for sure. songs and just feeling like it was exactly like you said, Chris. Like it was a lot more raw, you know, with the previous with the previous lineups, and, but still awesome and still super yeah. powerful but it was like yeah as soon as i heard those songs for the first time with the lineup and the new songs like that was absolutely it like that was the complete freaking package you guys had it it's just the new the songs were a little bit they were definitely heavier and you know your drumming just fit absolutely perfect with it and i always thought jody's vocals were perfect fit the music perfect right it can couldn't fit any better so yeah the, i in agreement like it was definitely the you guys had, had finally got gotten it together and that was the uh it was just perfect now not that it was bad before but yeah you guys had, had finally <laughs> got the full package or whatever okay so yeah what did you guys do after that recording do you remember any trips or tours um well after that recording we would we were playing shows i don't I think we were going to go to, to Calgary at one time and that kind of fell through. And then we played with SNFU on the island. We uh, obviously played around town and Seattle, mostly Seattle. And, and I think we, we didn't return to, um, to California until after the, the European tour. Um, we played That's this, right. 
played the uh, showcase show um, there for uh, Arts Fields label there, um, New Age. Yeah, but I think we're just, I don't remember much between the two. Sometimes it all melds together. Like, which one's which? Like, do we record, you know, the EP? When did we record the EP? After the tour? But we actually did before the tour because we released it there and we were touring on that as well. So um, it's it's weird how it's so long ago now, man. Like, it's crazy. It's been a while, yeah. Your brain just kind of melds it together into like one thing. It's like, fuck. Remember some shows after recording, after um, the Here and Now recording of, like you said, some shows on the island. I met Baba. Uh, you guys knew him before that. Uh, we did the Seattle show. I do remember driving down separately with some buddies for that one. So those were some of the earlier shows before going back in and recording again with Blair, and the uh, the EP, and then before skipping out to Europe. Yeah, that was pretty much that's pretty much how it went. Um, then we went and we just recorded the uh, RN EP and then um, prepared for Europe in the fall of uh, 96. Yeah. Right. And you guys, uh, would you guys, what are your guys like memories or anything that sticks out about, uh, about those recording sessions? Uh, Mushroom is haunted. Yeah. We <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like we've, yeah. We've established that for sure. Playing a lot of foosball. Um, eating, oh, yeah. eating slice of gourmet, um, potato, peppery potato, peppery pizza. potato pizza, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn, that was good. That was like the best, man. Yeah. Uh, so that, having show go there for, uh, for the recordings uh, that was for, um, RN. the EP. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. That's another, you know, meeting show go. So another, you know, huge, he just became like family. It was crazy. <laughs> He's like part, like another member of the band or something. Yeah. Uh, being in the studio for the first time was, it, it was, you know, trying to, it was weird because you're so used to hearing like your guitar through your speakers at, at rehearsal. And, but going to the studio for the first time, everything is so like, you know, you have a mic right up to your speaker. So you're getting all the signal now. And that's exactly what your sound, you know, what your amp sounds like close up. And it's not quite what you want, you know, so you're fucking with it until you get it. Like, fuck, we just couldn't, we couldn't get our sounds like, exactly what we wanted like it would be me and me and landy were just kind of struggling with getting getting that fucking tone like um, we didn't have the amps like we just did not have the amps at the time even though um they were decent they weren't you know they weren't that great and really there wasn't that many good amps then like there was there's like randalls and whatever bullshit metal amps at the time and then you use a pedal in front of it we, we didn't want to use a pedal we wanted like we want real tube to uh, distortion coming out of that thing. So it took a while for us to, to get tones. And, and that was another thing. I was like, I thought it'd be so much easier, but it was hard. It was, it was work. Like we were sweating. Adlandy like right up against watching exactly what I was playing. Like he was like a foot away from my <laughs> fingerboard. Like, it's like <laughs> and you know, and, and vice versa. Like we would, you know, I'd be watching him. And he's like, he told me to watch him. So it's like, if you hear anything, let me know. You know? So, so we got through it and then, I mean, I remember, you know, even getting drum sounds like was, I, I think it would have been a lot easier. Wow. Snare sounds obviously are hard to get. And just, just knowing, just like learning, like, holy shit, man, this is fucking hard work. Um, <laughs> and we, our gear just wasn't as, you know, at the time was, it, it should have been, you know, obviously it was flashy. I got full stacks and shit, but um, it was nowadays, fuck you. What are you going to put? You just, all you have to do is just go get a, an orange rocker verb or something like that. And it's like, sounds awesome. You know, um, it wasn't like that then. So yeah, those are my, my remember. I, that's all I remember sitting around screaming into that crazy echo chamber that goes to the roof. 
Oh yeah. The, the old mics, like old two U47s, like Blair was saying, yeah, this is from the forties. This mic is from the forties. Like what the fuck? You touch it. So there's a tube inside. It's warm. Um, it's tape machines, him cutting tape. He was just like, okay, I'm editing. So you pull out the tape and you just cut it with razor blades and tape it back together, put it on. It was, that was editing. You know, it's like, he, it was like, how, what are you cutting the tape, man? Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> him and the assistant on the ground with like fucking razor blades and tape. Like, holy fuck. It was, it wow. was really cool. And especially like helping him. Um, Cause there was no automation on that board and it wasn't pro tools. So every time you, you would have, to, if you want to make a change, you would have to rewind it. And so it was just like, click and then play and then you know it's like like there's all that time like now the kids or whoever is recording like has never experienced tape but it's like there's like a lag obviously and and a precision it was like magic um because you were you were a real engineer at that point um so in helping him mix without automation like he was like okay hit this button on the, on this time and turn the fader switch down like two db and then you know like pan this thing so okay now now <laughs> i'm helping them on the other side of the board you know it's like holy fuck it's like so, watching you guys try and fly a plane <laughs> like there's the three of you on the board all trying to time exactly when you're going to move certain sliders and yeah it was pretty intense yeah it got intense and he, he was so focused and he, he knew exactly what he wanted like blair was he's just amazing to work with he was so stoked as well. Um, and just, just in, you know, fucking run a studio like with two, two inch tape machines like that. Fuck. I, I, you know, I've been recording for a long time now and I, I would feel like out of place for, you know, using tape machines like that on a console with no automation, no, no pro tool screen. Like, Jesus. Yeah. They dialed in. Yeah. Everyone's got it easy these days. So I was lucky to work with Blair. Um, before working with Strain, uh, when I recorded with uh, Davin Townsend and Blair was, was amazing. So to get him on board with us, I was pretty stoked to see him again and work with him again. It was a lot of fun. Okay, I think I, I think I remember you saying that. Like, man, that's yeah. That's I didn't know you rad. ever recorded with with Devin, Chris. I didn't yeah, know. on the first uh, Strapping album is actually a mix of I've got two songs on there uh adrian uh, adrian white's got a couple of songs i think or else he did the entire rest of it okay no i didn't know that very cool very cool yeah and i just wanted to add that um that was such a great such a amazing plan and the fact that you guys did go into a mushroom a world-class studio to do that because the difference looking back all these years now and even like hartfield was saying the sound of your guys album just from that studio, like, I mean, I know it wasn't all like that. That's like that one of the heaviest hardcore records ever. An amazing, amazing sounding hardcore records in, in my opinion, but also Hartsfield agreed in a lot of people's opinions. And, you know, with Burden, we tried to follow your guys lead with it. You know, we recorded our first uh, seven inch EP with, with right. Blair on an eight track. And yeah. obviously we didn't get the same results, but I mean, we didn't have the equipment that, the equipment or the uh, talent playing, unfortunately, that strain had, but we did record our full length with, with Blair and it sounded really damn good, but I just, you know, can only imagine what it would have sound like if we could have gotten to a studio like mushroom, but no, like you guys definitely have one, you know, I'm not just alone saying that it's one of, it's a fucking masterpiece and sounds easily one of the best hardcore records ever. And the heaviest, like definitely. Thanks brother. Sure. Thanks man. Yeah. You're welcome. 
there's some there's something just to be said about that studio as well like it 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 has it's a dark studio like not you know lighting but um it it you if you walk in there you could you feel like the sound of the room is has a dark sound to it like it's not so high endy or flat it's it's a and you can hear it all over that recording again you can hear it on the r end as well but a little less on the r end but on that recording i think we used a lot of room mics i remember him putting up these um, U87s way up on these gigantic stands that they were used for like orchestras at, back in the day and to get this fucking room to sound um, awesome with the drums and it really translated like to that darkness that um, those songs needed almost like it was like it's a perfect storm man like being in that studio I think we if we recorded at like Armory or somewhere else it would have sounded way too way too slick or, or like present or something um and I, yeah um and dark is a that's kind of a good way to put it and and the warmth of the reel to reel as well too kind of sure. lent to just that thick sound you know definitely just yeah things just happen um the way they happen you know <laughs> i mean if we, we've recorded with blair's after that and you know um we'd never got that sound either so um, we had a different sound like yeah blair he can cap. He captured the best in 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 us, man. It's crazy, and all of us, like all our bands. He just knew how to. He just knew how to fucking wrangle the sounds. So we're lucky to have him. Oh, for sure. And he's a fun guy too. Yeah, it sounds like he was maybe probably more serious doing two weeks than you guys than he was with us. You know, doing a week <laughs> or whatever. But like, yeah, he's a lot of fun. To good guy. Yeah, definitely. And he's got good beer. So he's got good beer. Oh, that's right. That's Actually, right. He he quit. He quit his uh, the industry to what does he have us? I talked to him a couple of years ago. Maybe two, that he was opening up uh, his own brewery or or something along those lines. He yeah. he, he did, and he he's already kind of past that now. Oh yeah, because um, he moved. He's moved on from that. Eh? I still have his business card for that. I was just looking for that. Yeah, so he he started Bomber Brewery with a bunch of friends, and that thing just blew up like crazy in town and um it got sold off to uh donnelly group and then oh no he's still i think he's still part of it for a while but now he's gonna go and move away and did well for himself cool i hope he made a hope he made a bundle me too i'm just yeah definitely okay guys so what's after our end comes out and what what do you guys remember in a nutshell what happened after that just uh preparing for just playing, playing more shows and get those songs down and writing um, more for the actual EP for on uh, Heart First Records, Florian's label there in Germany. Um, so we did a lot of writing. Like we did a lot of writing in 96, man. Like yeah. a lot of work. And there was times like, and I have this conversation with Landy um, where I, we were, we were so fucking tight that I could feel everyone, everyone's in my fingertips, man. on my guitar. Like we were, I could feel nice. everyone's pick, everyone's hit. Like it was like, holy fuck. And I remember I was like, Sean, do you feel it? He's like, yes, holy fuck. It's like, <laughs> we were so fucking tight, man. Like, and I, I've experienced that a couple of times since, but not like that. So we, we definitely, we put in a lot of work, man. A lot of work, more work than I, I put into things these days. It was like sure. so many practices to get everything solid. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we were, we were definitely solid and wanted to be as tight as possible leaving to go to Europe. But I think even by the time we got back and then we played uh, in LA, 
Uh, that stuff was insanely tight. We had the two months in Europe of just back to back to back to back shows. And by the time we were done, we could play those songs in our sleep and still be on time. Yes. Right. But sure. it's weird though. Cause you, you, you know, to us, it doesn't sound that tight, but it really, you know, if you listen to a recording, like, Holy fuck. Like at the moment, like I always, I always hear, I always, you know, you're always hearing like the imperfections or it's like, um, fuck, you know, it's not that tight, but we were fucking deadly tight. Uh, it's just, you know, your perception of things, you know, you're constantly searching for like perfection or something. I don't know, but uh, yeah. So from then on, um, so we wrote that EP and we went again into the studio with Blair and recorded, I think it was a different console this time possibly, but uh, that was just a, a short, I believe one week session there. And we recorded and mixed it and then uh, Florian put it out and uh, we, you know, we did, we're on to the second strain European tour. And that was with me and Chris here. So um, how was that being your guys uh, first European tour? Well, it w- it was surreal, man. Cause like I was 19 years old. I was pretty much all this stuff happened so quickly for me being a kid, dude, like, you know, I just got into hardcore, like, well, you know, through skateboarding and then, you know, first band to ever play a show in 90, you know, early 93, and then here I am going to Europe with like strain. So I didn't expect, I mean, I saw some footage of strain from the 95 tour and, and how people were singing along and going crazy in like castle Germany and stuff like that. Like it was absolutely packed in castle for them. I was sort of prepared, but at the same time, I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't think me and Chris were quite prepared for some of those shows. I went completely fucking nuts, but, uh, like just people fucking singing along like with their German accents, you know, like driven by a vision. Like fuck, it's it's like it's just man. And then some of the shows are just like, you know, like what the fuck are we playing this? The floor is dirt, you know. It's like where do you where are we staying tonight? Oh, we're staying at the fucking the, the uh, abandoned school with the fucking gypsies next door. They're gonna chant for like <laughs> going from, going from, from huge sold out packed <laughs> oh, clubs yeah. to, to squats with exactly with dirty dogs and floors. I've been there. But then yeah. in the morning, there's a spread of fucking breakfast, and it's awesome. You know, it's like oh fuck, yeah. you know, vegan pasta or something. You know, it's like they. It's almost like the the you know this the night whatever accommodations are like the afterthought. And then, you know, I always wake up to an awesome spread of breakfast and then you're on your, you're on your journey and, you know, Florian drove us around the whole fucking time in this, this sprinter van. And, you know, they had like airline seats and we were just sitting up the whole time. <laughs> like, I'd never forget that. You know, and obviously we're kids. So like, you know, Jody was like, you know, being his gross self. Um, we definitely have stories of him, doing weird gross <laughs> shit and then he just like you know he's so good he just constantly try to like you know anger you somehow just to get a laugh and uh we're so in such close quarters and you know landy needed his seat that that he can stretch out his legs on so he had the seat and i was stuck in like behind jody so then uh my seat i couldn't stretch out my legs so i was like fuck you know i, I and I, th- I remember chris was up up in the top like behind the driver's seat i believe and it was it was crazy because <laughs> I had been I had already done um, a tour with the kill, but just back east, like we got as far as Winnipeg. So playing the live shows and being on the road and driving in like a dilapidated vehicle and barely <laughs> surviving, I was like, I've I've done that, so it should be okay. It's my first time on a on a plane though, so was it a fourteen hour flight? I think 
Yeah. So that was intense, but I was kind of prepared, Frankfurt. but Frankfurt. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of cool accommodations one night. And then like you say, sleeping in a, on a dirt floor another night, but that was the thing that was so huge to me was just, I was just kind of getting into hardcore and getting into the scene um, and music wise and learning it, but then really learning the people like we met so many people in seattle that were amazing and then in europe to have guys like we got you know we were playing a show but we don't have anywhere to stay and fans would be like dude you can stay at my place and i will totally feed you and there were (laughs) so many shows where people would just invite us back to their home they didn't know who we were they just knew we were in the band and they were fans and yeah they'd feed us the next morning it's just the the scene itself was amazing and it blew me away it was all about the music yeah it's like they were so into um, they would ask different questions and people from North America, um, you know, just about, you know, production, you know, they're like, why did you decide to make it so slick sounding or how are you touring? Are you touring in a, in a bus? Or are you touring in a van? And if we said a bus, they wouldn't look, look up to us, uh, you know, or they would look at us like a bunch of chumps or something. You know, it's like rock stars. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you're trying to, you're fake rock stars. Like, but we, you know, no, we're fucking, we have a fucking sprinter van and I'm sitting up fucking 24 <laughs> hours a day. It's like, uh, pay my fucking dues man but um, at the same time if somebody offered me a luxury cruiser to be able to float around in with beds and a bathroom and everything i don't think we would have said no to that <laughs> no halfway through the tour we're like fuck this man but what did you guys have any crazy crazy stories or anything that you can remember happening or anything like i don't know anything really that you remember um there's like there's crazy stories, like um, like scary stories. Um, you know, obviously like the, the Turks, that, the Turks uh, wanted to kill Sean yeah, Landy. The gangsters who went over that one. Oh, you went over that one. Yeah, wow. yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was weird because I was hiding Sean in that. At you know, obviously, us being we we don't like people fucking with people here, so we will you know kick them out of the of a fucking show. So if they're, they're trying to steal the money, we're like, what the fuck? Fuck you. Get the fuck out of here. And, you know, Sean kicked him in the ass like a little, a little fucking asshole that he is. You know, so the, the, the kid and the kid was like, Ooh, and he ran off and caught his friends, came back and uh, they had knives. And, Sh- and as soon as that happened, you know, Sean, Sean was like, fuck, this is fucked. And he just like hit away. And this guy's like searching for him, searching all over the place like a fucking maniac. This kid, he's just like a little kid. We could have totally kicked his ass, man. But like he had a knife and his friends probably did too. And uh, just because we stood up for these, you know, the show um, we're getting fucked with now. And I was in the, I was in the bathroom with Sean, like, um, cause he was hiding, he's hiding in one of the stalls. Right. So, and the, and the guy came up to me and he's like, where's your buddy? Sorry, you know, broken English. And uh, I was like, I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I think he's out there somewhere. And he, so the guy took off and Sean, Sean uh, came he's like, fuck, fuck. And he just, and he, hid i think upstairs and we played the show without him man it's like it was a, it was it was a fucked up time like oh yeah he didn't even play did he, he didn't yeah. play because those dudes were roaming through the audience this was before we actually uh before anybody played this was all during sound check i think wasn't it yeah it was just before we played me and sean were actually just you know talking to people at the front door and that's when it kind of happened because um, we dude we we were aggro back then, man. Like, <laughs> like, we, like, like, don't fuck with us, man. But if you have weapons, like, well, fuck it. You know, that's not fair. That's not fair. But, that was intense. Yeah. So they came back with a bunch of people. Now that, that was fucked up. Um, 
that was probably the most fucked up part of the tour. Um, going into Poland was pretty crazy for me. Um, seeing Warsaw and Dresden as well, like East, Eastern Germany at the time, you know, it's like 1996. Dresden's still like war torn from World War II. It's playing a bunker um, in Dresden and and pl- and and guy we're playing with is Eric Drucker, the artist who has who's had a slideshow art show. Yeah, so it, he was just showing, and then we would go on after and, and in this fucking cool little dungeon area, <laughs> and it's, it's like hardcore. Tiny little room. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tiny. It's like it was so weird, but we we you know befriended this artist from New York, and still love his art to the, today. Um, very political stuff he he did. Um, yeah, just seeing seeing that stuff and seeing how how a lot of a lot a lot of the Second World War still existed sort of back then, like the uh, the effects of it, the churches getting rebuilt still just even even through like I, you know poland was just weird like it just felt weird something was yeah, different. eastern something europe was, was still uh really kind of only recently in the big timeline eastern europe only recently just kind of um, east berlin especially like the wall would come down and things hadn't been totally repaired or changed or fully uh i guess americanized yet or anything or westernized it was pretty intense to see yeah so okay shaped i didn't quite but at the time i didn't really know my world war ii history as i do now but um thinking back on it it's like yeah it's pretty crazy man crazy stuff but how about uh, you chris do you do you got any uh any any memories of any crazy anything else anything crazy or just anything really cool even uh mostly i mean most of it was cool it was all had never been to europe before obviously so there's just there was something really cool about most of the places we went to you know we, we arrived in germany we were there for i think a week and a bit, uh, just hanging out and getting acclimatized um, and hanging out with Mosh and uh, the guys from Ellison. And it, it took a little while to kind of obviously get through the, the air travel and then, yeah, hang out for a while and jammed with those guys for, before we even hit the tour. And it was just, it was just such a cool environment to be in. Uh, no, like other than like, those couple of scary stories, everything else was just kind of new and exciting and meeting new people and just those little differences. And Jay, you remember a lot of this, just how a lot of things are the same in Europe, but they're so very different than how we do things here back then, for especially sure. For sure. Um, how literally everybody out there smoked. I think I met like a handful of people that, that <laughs> didn't smoke, which was pretty crazy. It's obviously changed quite a bit now, but uh, yeah, yeah, more fun than rooms, man. That was crazy playing those. For sure. Yeah the worst for definitely over some of those places i remember it was full of smoke and like if exactly like you're talking about those those bunkers we played that were converted youth youth centers or whatever yeah. like now like some of those just brutal in the summer playing the heat and the people smoking and stuff but at the same time the best i mean it's just the best thing like going over there our first tour we did five weeks and that was like one of the best times of my life for sure just absolutely amazing, right like remember yeah. being in rome and uh just it's such a history geek and just dig in rome like the architecture and the, the history there just blew me away and i had my little just the those shitty little disposable cameras i had a couple of those so i took off i, I left you guys you guys left me behind or i was hanging out taking photos and you guys were like we're going to get food and they bailed so i'm wandering around they forced me to, totally they, by myself they were forcing me to like to, to talk italian to these Italians, man. I'm just gonna ask you. Yeah, yeah. And Jody's like, about that. go, go ask, ask for fucking directions to the Coliseum. So I was like, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> so broken English, like, like you know, asking this guy on the street, like, hey man, where's the Coliseum? But in in broken Italian, he's like, Coliseum. I'm like, 
Yeah, you know, the Coliseum, the big whatever, Coliseum, Coliseum or whatever. <laughs> and um, he's like, Coliseum. He just was being kind of a dick. Like, like oh, fuck. He's like, oh, you mean Coliseo. I'm like, <laughs> Coliseo, okay. Coliseo, yeah, it's ruined there. He's like, okay. He's like, oh, fuck, man. Typical, typical Italian stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, um, yeah, I think he was just having fun with me because he knew us. Like, what the fuck? So yeah, I was like a little bit of a translator trying to get pizza and whatever for the boys. And, but uh, yeah, going to the Coliseum, I don't remember leaving Chris behind personally, but um, <laughs> like, how, how, is that, how is that even possible? I don't remember that, dude. I, I think I just, I saw something that I wanted to take a photo of and I was just kind of like, I'll be right back. And then by the time I got back, you guys had already sort of moved on, but I knew where you were going. I think even Eric was like, we're going to, they call it see him probably. So I figured that I was going to find my way back and eventually ran into you guys. And that was a weird show. Rome was a fucking weird show. Rome was a crazy show. It was just so like downstairs, there was like um, this fucking place. Like, you know, it looks like it was Third like. floor for it, sure. I don't know what it was, man. It was, it just it was like under the Coliseum or something. <laughs> it's like, like, what the fuck? And these guys were like, they all had these nooks with like curtain drapes or something. And uh, they all were playing dance music. Like they were spinning techno or something. And all of them, we were just walking around like, what the fuck? <laughs> there's the video of rad. this. There's Sean has video of like, uh, of uh, Jody was filming me and Sean walking through. And we we're just like, what the fuck is this shit? Is that um, the place where we were sleeping in the gymnasium? It wasn't a gymnasium. It was a dojo. And they, dojo. Yes. they chained the door. They chained yeah. the fucking door on us. And, and we, I had to get out. I had and to you, out. you lost your mind, man. And you, <laughs> and you started kicking the shit out of the door. Boot my way out of the door. Hey, question for you. Sorry to stop you. This coming yeah. back for talking again with Eric and Sean. I was going to ask you, Chris, about it. So he's, they had said, told me about a story. And I don't know if you guys are talking about the same one. I thought they had said it was a squat and you literally broke down the wall. It was a dojo. Okay. Yeah. There. Okay. So same. Well, it was okay, actually a squat dojo. Yeah. The like the squat dojo, dojo was nice, but the rest of the place it was like it was half constructed. It was, or it was half destructed. I'm not sure. Um, or it was half kind of from a, like two thousand years ago. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was sort of a mix of both, and it was a bit of a community center too for kids as well. I remember that. But yeah, for some reason they they chained the door from the outside and they locked us in, and I'm not too sure. I guess that's the only way they could lock the door at night. And uh, it was, that was when I snapped because for such a small dude, Eric snores louder than anybody I've heard in my life. (laughs) And Landy was snoring pretty loud as well too. And I just, I couldn't sleep. I was getting no sleep. That was like a couple weeks in or a week into the actual tour. So yeah, I lost my mind. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go sleep (laughs) in the truck. And uh, I couldn't get out. So I just booted my way out the door. I don't think I actually made it out. I think I gave up. No, it broke, and then we had to pay for it. But. Oh, it did? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. that came out of my, my uh, DMs. Oh, did it? Oh, no, it came out of everybody's. That's right. You guys were all pissed at me because we all had to pay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But at the same time, it was fucked, dude. Like, chained us in like that. That was, <laughs> that was so crazy. I, I wasn't feeling that as panicked at all. I was like, oh, whatever. Let's fucking let's pretend we're fucking kickboxers. <laughs> <laughs> and Ollie, Ollie was with us, too, and he was photos of him oh, doing some pretty right. high, high kicks. Yeah, because they had heavy bags and stuff hanging up there. Yeah. yeah, but it was probably the nicest place, like you said, probably the nicest place in the building. That's why they put us there. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> fuck. Um, 
Yeah, it was, I don't remember the show really. I don't remember the show, but I remember the show we played the next show in Italy, which was um, Modena. Ma- Modena. Modena. Uh, that was a great show. Yeah, that was that was cool. That was, I think that was a better show than Rome was, I believe. And those guys were kind of setting me up for like the like, oh, wait until you go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a hole. The hole and two places for your fucking feet to go. Oh, and you just yeah. Yeah, it's just like, holy fuck, you know. For some reason, Jordy really wanted me to see that, I think. See what my fucking reaction was. <laughs> I don't know why. But, uh, you, uh, I think, need to tell the story of uh, busting your arm on the skate ramp. Uh, yes, dude, I, you know what, man? I would have totally forgotten to tell you that. Tell them. Uh, um, well, Eric brought our skateboards like obviously we're gonna fucking bring our boards so, so um i think it was stuttgart stuttgart germany um there was a show there and outside the show there was a fucking ramp and it was a big fucking ramp it's like a vert ramp and we were skating it me and me and eric and you know eric was doing grinds and doing little errors and here and there and you know, i was you know doing the rail slides and whatever it, but the the ramp also had a plywood and it was kind of grippy and there was no give i don't know something was weird with it but we skated anyway, had fun. And then I tried one last rail slide. And um, when I was going to do the rock and roll coming in, I clipped my, I hit the coping and went straight to the, to the flat. And uh, those guys are kind of laughing. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I can't move. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Right. And I'm like, I can't move. And all of a sudden this pain um, just overcome me, man. I just washed over my body. It's like, I can't fucking move. Like, and then those guys were, what the fuck? And they came to me and like, yeah, dislocated my fucking shoulder. My shoulder was so out of my socket. It was like down like the side of my chest. Like, I don't know how far, um, but it was, it was, my arm was dead. <laughs> no longer in the socket, man. Um, it didn't look good. It was not good. And those guys <laughs> were like, fuck, good. you know, I think Sean was really worried about the tour and, you know, at the time, I, I, I kind of felt that those guys were just kind of disappointed in me. And I was like, well, fuck, I could feel it, right? Um, so waited on the flat bottom for the fucking ambulance to come. And it was like, took forever, like 45 minutes sitting on the flat bottom. They took me to uh, um, the hospital. And luckily I had insurance. And they, um, I remember Florian was there. He's like, you know, he's like the, the dad man at the time. Like he's like, he was there for, and then they put me out um, to put, to reset my um, arm. I woke up with my arm in a sling and it was fucked. Like it was, my arm was fucked. I could, so I think I missed uh, I missed like three shows. Shows, I think, yeah. I actually sang a couple of songs um, at the end, like encores or whatever the hell we did, like with my arm in a sling. <laughs> and then uh, it's I started realizing that hey, I can actually keep my arm down by, beside my chest, and I could use, I could just play guitar without moving my arm up and down because that, that's the only time it hurts when I moved it up parallel or whatever for me. So I was just the rest of the tour, I was just like with my arm down and I could finish the tour. But those guys, those guys were so bummed. Like Sean was really bummed. Same, same with Jody. Um, I, I think even Eric, they were more bummed about the tour than about my health. You know, <laughs> I could feel it too. Like, and th- it's like, ah, oh, shit. But uh, Buck dude, like um, got through it. It was, it was a fucking crazy injury. Um, you healed up super quick though, or you just struggled through it. I struggled through it. I, I was stretching. I was, you know, you know, trying my best to get some help to raise my arm up to stretch. 
And I know I was on the boat with Jody once and he kind of brought this up. Like he's like, Oh, I remember you're such a pussy. <laughs> I remember you just whining. Like, dude, what the fuck? Dude, my arm was dislocated. It's like, Oh, is that how he saw me? So like, yeah, that's how he saw me as a whiner. But I thought I, I thought I held it together pretty good, man. I don't know. But, I think he's just trying to get a rise out of you. That's yeah. This is classic. <laughs> just does, classic right? Jody, man. Totally. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that, that, and then, yeah, we were able to finish the tour, um, which I'm glad I didn't let everyone down. Fuck. Well, you know? yeah. It's funny you, uh, you say, mentioned that about Stuttgart and stuff, John, because I'll probably take this out or whatever. But um, when we were over there last time in, in 03, we were playing Stuttgart at the, at the university at a club there or something. And I got hit in the head by the guitar stock guitar player moved around until he got me right in the side of the head, like right in the temple. And I was totally covered in blood. There's no fucking oh, pictures of it. Shit. I, I had to oh. like, you need stitches. You know, everyone's looking at fuck. Okay. There's the hospital is like right across the street or something. Luckily for that. And I remember, and I mean, there's a big difference between when you guys went and 2003, right? A lot of years have went by. I remember going there and luckily I had insurance as well. And it was totally like green, dark industrial feeling like little, very little, like, like right out of a world war two movie or something like that. And the nurses had like smocks and like the paper hats and stuff. It was like in front of a time warp Whoa. or something like that, like very industrial feeling. Like, I don't even think they had a computer. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's where, that's where the Porsches are, are made, man. In that city, you know, it's like, yeah, it was kind of, kind of crazy there. I don't know if you, if you remember it being like that, but you were in enough, I'm sure you didn't even fucking notice. Right. So I don't, I, I noticed that they, that they were super nice and they got shit done. Um, that's what I noticed. Like, wow. Like they contacted my insurance. They got it all covered. Boom. And they, they just did it so fast and they're so nice to me, man. So that's what, what I remember most. And then I was just getting the fuck out of there. <laughs> I think our stress was heightened for stuff like that anyway, because then like now, like I remember recently, a couple of years ago, my wife and I went over to Europe and the amount of people that speak English easily now over there that you deal with is far greater than it was back when we were going. So we had to have interpreters as much as we could going into certain countries. So that little bit of being scared, like you must've been so freaked out going to a hospital, not being able to speak German, not really. Knowing what's yeah, going Luckily on. our tour, our tour manager was, um, well, was the same dude from our record label over there. He knew, he knew a bit of it, like enough to get, of course we were in, you know, German record label. We, you know, Germany everywhere, right. Doing that. But yeah, the, the, the countries outside of there that we went to, he knew enough, a little bit to get by, you know, enough to get by to, to have a conversation and get things done exactly, all yeah. the time, except for like, we went to Poland the first time. Uh, and we were like stuck in a lineup for like three hours or something like two or three hours for sure. In the hot sun in that fucking old sprinter van with no inlay. It was just metal. Oh, seven no. people. Oh. in there in like in like in August so but yeah they didn't know he got he went to talk to them and and all the guy could say was the the, the border guard would say it was visa visa like he was it wasn't translating to him so yeah it was a, a real bummer to get turned away oh you got turned away oh, you got shit turned away. Oh, yeah no, no they didn't let us in because he, he couldn't talk to him they couldn't have a conversation right like visa he just kept saying that so you know I guess they yeah I guess we needed a visa which we didn't have for that didn't realize we had. Uh, we were lucky and had uh, a dude named, what's his name? Christoph? 
Oh yeah, he came with who, us for that. Yeah, he right? came across with us to basically translate for us to be able to get across the border into Poland. And I remember that as well too. Like hours yeah. we were there. I think Dude, for it was two hours because the pre-check with all those trucks lined up along the road waiting to get in as well. And then that was just for the pre-check. And then there was the actual check to get in. Yeah, that was. I remember it being really military stuff. Yeah, it was pretty scary. Yeah, and it yeah was I remember the M sixteens and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> more threatening than some of the other ones for sure. Okay, guys, so you come back after this tour, and what happens? What's the band up to? Well, it felt it felt like we were like kind of done with being with each other for a while. <laughs> for sure, I think those last <laughs> that last week was was pretty intense. So yeah, a lot of shit went down uh, that last week. Um, um, th- that whole thing with with uh, the knives, the Turkish knife guy. It was around that time, I think. Um, yeah, that was near the end. I was at the time for actually for most of the tour, I was a bit of a dick. I was probably pretty hard to deal with most of uh, <laughs> most of the tour, especially at the end. And Sean and I got into an argument when we were in Norway, I think, and uh, started kicking equipment over and got mad at each other. And then and we kick went your, on to play. <laughs> you kick kicked the your, drums over your yeah. kick pedal. Your kick pedal went flying. You're That's like. What it was. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, that's like holy man you guys are so fucking mad crazy color. he like, would have destroyed me so one of you held him back which was good oh man then, but we we rocked that show in norway yeah. it was just it was so over the top so everyone it yeah. seemed like there's a bunch of guys that were drunk on uh that fucking hooch shit that there were there's like some weird norwegian hooch yeah that they made kind of violent almost they're yeah. throwing bottles and smashing bottles some and, guy yeah, jumping was, in two feet with his fucking heat with his doc martens into like into a like a girl on the pit you know it's like <laughs> we had insane. to stop and we, we stopped like fugazi and like what the fuck <laughs> stop <laughs> doing that bad. it's like don't, don't fucking do that man and they didn't understand what the fuck we were saying it's like but uh, yeah norway was weird sweden was rad because we we played with in umio and uh and we were with ollie at the time yeah. ollie and just refused town and those guys came out to see us and they they uh had, we had a tour of uh desperate fight records and they gave us a bunch of cool shit and uh yeah it was was really cool to meet those guys and hang out they were stoked and we're obviously they were you know looked up to those guys a lot yeah that was being yeah being in uh scandinavia was was fucking cool for sure and then after you know after that it was like actually just before that that remember that huge ferry ride we took like it's just yeah there was a couple of trips one over and then one back but the really big one was on the way back yeah it was insane like just like in a bunk in a in this room with no windows like what the fuck if once the thing sinks man it's like yeah. like it's like being in the whatever third class of the fucking titanic or something like <laughs> fuck i don't know it's like so weird dude yeah but we got back so we got back and we just kind of chilled for a while and then um we played that we played more shows and we ended up going down to to Corona, California for that showcase, New Age showcase show. Yeah. yeah, that was the last show, I think. That was that was possibly the last show for a while. Um, me and Sean, I, as as the tour went on, me and Sean were actually writing songs for Biothread in in Germany. So we ended up we're, we we kind of knew what we we wanted to do this thing, but we didn't know that it would like we would stop straying to do it. It just kind of happened, and I think a lot of it had to do with um, just us not we should have taken more time off as a band possibly, you know, just to recuperate because we were in close quarters for all of 96, really. Yeah. That, or, or the fact that the music was changing and our, our tastes were changing a little bit and, 
um, we kind of wanted to move move in a different direction with music, and we ended up doing by thread. We're doing it now again. Um, so I heard that's awesome, and it's yeah, it's pretty pretty awesome. We're just just great to explore that shit again with with the the boys there. And, but strain never went away. We've still played shows, but it was never ever like over. We got together and we we'd uh, jam and we'd play shows, and mostly in Seattle, or, or we we didn't play in Vancouver again, which is a kind of a shame. Wait, hold on, John. Sure, you did. Mike, am I? Am I, I think we did. Oh no, we played that one show. We played that one show. You played um, a in Seattle Hall. You played the John. There was like three other shows. Before was there this, the last Seattle, the last two Seattle shows? Gal Golver. Okay, the so first, yeah, the first Jam one Jam was. The first one that I remember was the show in Vancouver at that weird hall with like Indecision and all those New York bands. Okay, so that was after. Okay. That was when we went. The f- yeah. that was would have been ninety eight. That, that was we just got back from our first West Coast tour. I remember. That was a crazy show, man. That, that was show was fucking show. crazy, man. That I remember that really show. Amazing show. Probably one of my most favorite shows. I think it was yeah, something about was a it, good man. Show. Everyone was just in such good spirits. Everyone was just fucking rocking and feeling it, man. It was like, it was yeah. really rad. Tight little show for sure. And I remember how, just how hot that was because Chris couldn't play drums anymore. And well, Joe played like two, two, Chris literally like, you know, breathing. I remember that, like having a hard time breathing, playing so hard, you know, doing that, that Joe ended up playing like the last two songs. Is that how it went? Yeah. Did that happen? I totally don't remember that. I remember Strain going on, and playing some shows with Joe. Yeah, that's what after I remember. I stopped. Yeah, because uh, I think Chris had enough of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know what I was doing at the time. I think I just kind of decided that uh, it was I was looking for other career paths at the time as well. So yeah, yeah. So Joe ended up. Yeah, he was. He actually played that whole show. Jay, I'm pretty sure. I remember, man. I'm not losing. That's awesome. Yeah, okay. Old, but no, definitely <laughs> Chris played that. And I do remember because Joe, Chris, I remember being like at the side of the stage or something and Chris, he couldn't do it anymore. And Joe said, do you want me to play him? And it was just a couple, like a couple of songs or maybe even it was an encore. kind of remember that actually I don't, now. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I do not remember that. because I don't I, know. But that brings us to on the topic of, uh, right. of Joe. Eric and Sean couldn't totally remember, but I had booked a show for Buy a Thread at the Java Joint. And it was still the original Java Joint, the small little cafe. That would have been probably 99, I'm guessing, or maybe possibly even 98. And none of us can remember the details, but I remember Buy a Thread was booked and I think somebody had hurt themselves or couldn't make the show. So Strain decided it was like maybe half, maybe like half a week or even maybe even to to play the show instead. Now, do do you remember that? You remember that show, John? Dude, like when you're talking, my my synapses are kind of like zip, 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 zip. <laughs> so it's fucked up, dude. Like, yeah, my brother broke his leg. Man. I remember that. Um, oh, shit, he broke his kick pedal leg, so his his right leg. And uh, we went in and did that show. Yeah, and I think I, I think the Machine Head guys came out to see that show as well, didn't they? That was like, the Fear Factory. We talked Fear Factory. About, that's funny that you say that, John, because I remember Joe as playing the sh- playing drums for you guys at that show, which obviously didn't happen if you had a broken leg no so that would have obviously been you chris that was chris okay and do you, i did, totally don't remember that one there's there was no Where uh was it? Was okay. java joint the, it was the little i don't know if you guys were ever at yeah we played with you at the next incarnation the big when they moved next door to the bigger one but it was the little you know for people that weren't there have no clue it was, it was the a front tiny window. little a tiny little cafe coffee house with like i think it was like 15 people or 20 people or some capacity with tables in there and i remember when you guys said that you would when strain was get, 
going to play this and obviously I was fucking stoked, but I remember maybe talking, I think I wanted to talk to Eric because of course he's the the dad of the band. And I said, Eric, like I'm stoked on this, but could you guys please, it's my show. Like, I don't want to, I don't want shit to get fucked up. Like, could you guys please not bring stacks just to play for the <laughs> oh. show? And I remember, and Eric's like, yes. oh yeah, no problem. <laughs> So what happens was you guys roll in for soundcheck and Eric's got two fucking Ampeg fridge cabs and you guys, of course, have your stacks. Now, there's two things that there, that I remember very, very vividly from that show. And one was that the, the band was at the drums were in the corner and you had your stack leaning up against the glass counter of the, like the coffee, the counter. Oh, there. and I was literally having yes. to hold remember that. To, to like push people away. And there was times, where, there was two times where it literally was tipping and it was going to crash. And I had to literally like throw my weight into it to knock it off. I had no idea, dude. Well, like, fuck, there was, man. That totally was a remember very that packed show for a little place that was a 20 yeah, capacity so like tiny. probably 80 100 people maybe <laughs> in there ridiculously in the second the second memory I have is that this is literally like you can't, it's packed. There's no way you're getting through. I remember seeing a guy get a coffee or whatever. Like he, they were, I don't know, amazingly enough, how they were still managing to sell coffees and make these transactions. But I saw a guy all of a sudden get on top of the crowd and like crowd surf out with a coffee in his hand. <laughs> yes. Fucking. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, that's that's what I'm, that show was is fucking crazy. Like I can't like fucking two two eight by ten fridge cabs and so like the size of a fucking you know someone's living room. Like, but yeah, that was that was pretty cool. And it was it was my, the minority guys had brought Dino from Fear Factory. Oh, is that what it was? They, okay. they were recording. Was, and he brought, brought them to that, and he watched. You guys really liked you guys. And then I remember he uh, had to leave or something. He told every everybody he had a crowd around him or something. But I gotta take a shit. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the end of Dino. So. I totally remember that. <laughs> and then that now. after that, let's see. That would that have been the Sealin Sean Spears tenure? Yes. Yes. In two thousand three. Okay. Okay. Um, so not so that ninety nine Java ninety nine was or ninety eight was that show just off of Main Street. Java Joint was ninety nine. Let's ninety nine, and then two thousand three was that one at Sealin Hall. So that was a few years between. Okay. So there was a show I remember across the street where I'm trying to remember who practiced there. I think BNU practiced there for a lot and it was up up the top of the oh. building. And it was that big open area. Oh yes. And we there was a that's show what, there. Th- was three words. Yeah, we yeah, we played Yeah, that's right. Three, yeah, that's three right. words played. Three words played there. We had two songs. Three words. Yeah. That um, was a great band. Show go on bass. Damar. <laughs> I know, fuck, I don't know what happened, dude. That's like those fucking good times. Um, yeah, we we played there too, didn't we? I I, I vaguely remember that one. Yeah, yeah, I saw the poster from from one of those shows. Really strung out, I think. Strung out played. Or something. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so there's like there. I guess there is. So, yeah, so fuck that. I'm 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 losing my mind. Yes, we did play shows in Vancouver, but. I think the ceiling one was possibly the last one in Vancouver. Yeah, that was yeah. the last, the last Vancouver show. We were always pushing for it though, man. Like Jody would, he was so wanting to do it all the time. He would call us and like, let's do it. You know, or, you know, someone's talking about us playing, let's do this. And for some reason, whatever it was, we just didn't do it, you know, at the time, but certain things we did and certain things we did, but um, right, a lot of those, I think were, were me. I was at that point where I didn't really want to get back into it too much. And then Joe did fill in for some shows but uh yeah it wasn't until there was a couple of uh, or until the, that first reunion show 
in Seattle that it started that I started getting back into it, and we were doing one every couple of years, like three or four down there, something like that. But before all that, we that one King Down show that you put on, Jay. Yeah, oh, we, play, was, we played your. We played. When did we play oh, your? Shit. You played my. You played your house. Sorry, ninety six. You guys played my okay freaking jam room. My shit. That's right. You, that, strong that's arm a, and shyhalud. Yes. So we that's played right. that then. We were banned then. That's right. right. That's but then right. we played that re- that rec center as well with Joe on drums with uh, trial. But that okay, you're talking about the Fleetwood show. Fleetwood, yes. Yeah, I put that on. That was the first show of the first incarnation oh, yeah. of Burden with Happy. Okay. That was that, and then we, you know, the the actual Burden that we did everything with came that uh, the next summer. Um, yeah, that was a crazy good show too. That was one for for a suburb show, man. I remember being blown away. That was a that was a crazy. That was a freaking good show. Yeah, that was a crazy show. And then um, I remember doing the, um, you guys asking for the, actually you asked me, John, about if we could get an extension stage at Sealant for that show, for the 2003 one. And I remember being like, why? Why do we need it? Like everybody can play on this. I'm so glad that you did though, because <laughs> that made the show just that much better with, you know, stage dives and not having a six foot fucking narrow stage. Um, yeah, that <laughs> I was a great really show. remember that, but yeah, that was a fun show too, man. And we were just having fun. If you're looking at photos of that, Jody's has his uh, hat up, like, yeah, like suicidal. I don't know, suicidal on it or whatever. I don't know what he, yeah, he had a, he's wearing a gob shirt, I think. Was he? Yeah. I don't at know. that show? I don't, did just, you guys was, ever, did you guys ever get a copy of the DVD that the Brian dude from Victoria filmed? No. Okay. I've got one. I don't know anybody else that does. Uh, he had uh, a friend of ours filmed it. It's a two camera, it's a two camera like job or whatever. Like the dude did a decent job with it. The only shitty thing about it is you guys decided not to play or sorry, you guys decided to turn off the lights. Oh, it's so it's dark. So it was totally dark, which, oh. kind of, you know what I mean? Which was cool at the show there, but not so <laughs> much with the, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out a way to get that um, the, up online. The dudes okay. totally allowed me to. And Sean and Eric said it would be, it would be cool. Yeah. To, I'll definitely, definitely Anything. make sure you guys get that. Yeah. Cause that was a great show all around. It was a good lineup and yeah, I had a lot of fun that show, man. Definitely. And then that, that was obviously Chris with playing that show. Yep. So on and off, Chris is yep. there, you know, <laughs> so <I> think, <laughs> after the tour so but uh like i said before man like the, the band is just it was strange it's just not it's not just about members in a fucking band or whatever it's a family brotherhood and we never lost touch with each other there's a fucking bond that we have you know that we'll, we all feel it we don't they'll never go away regardless of whatever the fuck it's 25 years this year since um those two recordings and that tour so yeah that's uh, now yeah and, and that blows me away and I had talked to Hartsfield again on the uh, episode three and he, and I made him aware of that, that it was the 25 years and he, and he didn't realize it. I asked him about the possibility of like re a re-release for that album or anything like nice. that. And then Sean and Eric had said that they were actually working on something, talking to a label or something about something else. And I said, well, I sure hope that's a discography because Every band, I mean, fuck, the, the Burden discography just came out on April 9th. Like, strange should have a fucking, if Burden has a discography, <laughs> strange should have a fucking discography. And I said, you guys in trial for sure. So definitely hope that, uh, you know, I said both was a possibility. So I definitely look, really look forward to that. Yeah, that'd be, uh, be amazing. Be fucking awesome. I love that shit. So yeah, um, definitely me too. Just to so. re-explore stuff and um, maybe even remix the thing. Who knows? I got to get those two inch tapes back and put them on Pro Tools and do it. Well, like, yeah, I kind of wondered, yeah, wondered myself. Um, 
uh, going through, I ended up getting it, finding a used four track at, uh, at Long McQuaid for really cheap and uh, eight track um, test for my task. I'm eight track recorder, which of course we recorded on both John yeah, I remember face, that thing. with face off. So I haven't had a four track forever, but when I moved a couple of years ago, I found, I just had bins full of fucking tapes and I found the face, the face off and the dropkick recordings. <laughs> Holy shit, man. So I mix that shit. Yeah, man. Like <laughs> so wicked. So and I found some like mixes of that in the in the band. It was cool, man. It was really getting into hardcore. Like you know, it was being with you guys and like learning and playing our first shows and stuff like that it was just crazy. And and it listening back, man, those 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 songs were not that bad. I had it in my head that maybe they weren't very good, but like I mean, we're on, we're on the level of strain at their demo, obviously. But you know what? You can hear some of the same influences and stuff on there, and I'll definitely make sure to uh, shoot you a copy of that when I digitize. It, John, I'm looking forward to that to uh, see what I can do on Pro Tools with that, right? Yeah, dude. Landy, we're we're joking about doing a doing a seven inch with Last Straw, his straight edge band from (laughs) from way back. We're joking about that. But. Split seven inch. Yeah, but uh, no, no, cool. I'm looking forward to revisiting. That yeah, dude, sure. fuck yeah! I didn't know that even existed. So yeah, man. Okay, guys. So anything else you want to add? Obviously, losing Jody. Oh right, uh, of course. Of 2016. Course. You know, obviously, he was instrumental in in a lot of areas of my life. Man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known uh, a lot of people who went for him. I wouldn't have been uh, probably by thread. Probably wouldn't even been a band you know it's like i wouldn't have known landy so like yeah it's crazy he's he's just like he was my bro and uh fucking miss him a lot and we we were really tight throughout even even after you know after strain when we started by thread you know everyone's a little sore about that you know everyone's like why are they doing that why are we doing strain so you know there was a a time when everyone's kind of sore about it but but he was always supportive like he was just number one support you know he supported his brothers man like he's always asking questions always wanted a copy of records and and uh yeah just always wanted to be there for you so dude was a dude i miss that guy so that's what i just wanted make sure we have that in there oh definitely i can't yeah i can't believe i uh, can't believe i forgot it was a tough i think I, a lot of i didn't want to uh maybe subconsciously it was tough talking about talking yeah. about jody with sean and eric you know oh um, for sure definitely definitely like i didn't even know how to approach some things talking about that you know uh, i mean it's just great to bring him up and make him make him live again you know so like he's he's here with us as long as we talk he's he existed you know, yeah. so it's like just just keep talking about them. That's how I see it. Um, and I think yeah. as much personality as there is and and was in this band and like every version of Strain, even before the 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 constants, obviously were Sean and Eric and Jody. But the the personality, as much as they've all got it, was so totally Jody. Like the one thing that stood out to me um, every time seeing them live before I joined the band was just the intensity. And the like, the honesty he had on stage, and the the honesty and intensity that he had off stage as well too was was so awesome to to be around him. And he was over the top, but not too much over the top with so many things. And he just had a way of kind of bringing life to any situation that you were in with him. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking this guy, man. For sure. Not even getting into any of the stories of of some of the crazy shit he would do, but he was it was always on the edge with him. That way it was it was too cool. I lost touch, I think, with with you guys for the most part. And John, you were so super close with him, like especially at the end, um, after strain. 
and just staying in contact with him as little, as little as I did. The dude turned me on to so much cool music and so many cool movies. And he was into just the coolest shit all the time. So, you know, every couple of weeks or so, I'd be in contact with him and be like, dude, what are you watching? What are you listening to? And, uh, and just being on that same path with him was awesome, even if I wasn't seeing him or seeing you guys on a regular basis. Yeah, definitely an inspirational guy. And, you know, just meeting him for the first time, like he had this Mazda pickup truck and uh, he had, it seemed like he was always playing that, fuck, that uh, an integrity record, man. Um, just cost, those who fear tomorrow, like over and over again yeah, in that truck, so it's like, fuck, just getting stoked. And then, you know, he's like, Hey, come over to my place. And then he lived in North van in this bedroom um, just off of mountain highway. And you just walk into, the, you know, his bedroom is full of like walls of records and like these, all the hardcore posters and like, uh, it was just, there's like fucking this crazy stereo system, like fucking TV surround sounds. Like, dude, this guy's like, you know, you're just walking in there, just looking at the walls and shit, man. And it's like, fuck, this is so rad. <laughs> fuck, man. Um, you know, just, we just hit it off, man. You know, so yeah, he was big inspiration for me to, in um, that part of my life and, and on. So just even his professional attitude for things, you know, just, yeah, approaching, approaching music in a professional way, like learned it from him. And really from those guys, you know, those guys just did it differently than a lot of people. And, uh, it showed, man, you know, showed how they were, they were pros, man. They were pros about it. And I was able to pick that up and Chris as well, you know, and Chris was always seemed to be professional to me anyway, but for me, it was like a big learning experience. So, um, those guys taught me a lot, especially Jody. Yeah. It was a big step up for me too. Like I had some experience, obviously, with music and, and in several other bands before that, but it was totally on a different level with those guys. And at the time coming into the band, I was, I was smoking, I was drinking, like it was, it was metal. It was, it was party central back then. And once I started to kind of get involved with them a little bit more, I realized how much I kind of wanted to be in that space, like taking care of myself and like quit smoking and stopped eating meat and really looked at health in general and like looking at uh, social issues. And I kind of moved away from that, that metal brain space and more into that hardcore space. And those guys and you, John totally brought that out to me. It was pretty awesome. You're just awesome, man. It was awesome to see, man. You know, thoughts to be part of that. Cause we're, we're all just, we're all learning. We're all learning that. It's like, come and learn with us, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's fucking it's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. So do you remember, um, do you remember a point, the point in time where the guys asked you to quit smoking? This Chris? came up with Sean. Sean was telling the story. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't but, remember them asking me, but I remember when I did, we were, we were playing a show in Seattle with earth crisis and I was still smoking at the time. And that it was kind of that show. And I guess some conversations that we had probably on our way to and from the show that really sparked it for me to, uh, to quit smoking at the time. So yeah, it was definitely a concern for them. And it was for me as well. And Sean couldn't, Rich couldn't remember if you, cause I swear at one point in time, you told me that you went straight edge. Yeah, he did. And get, yep, right totally on. Did. And, Sean, <laughs> and, and Eric had joked with Sean saying, uh, or, or about like, yeah, did you make him, or maybe I asked, but he said, did you make him go straight? And Eric's like, I definitely didn't, but that's definitely a landyism I could see happening or whatever. <laughs> happened, right? Yeah. No, you know that. And that was the thing. Like it's just hanging with those guys and getting into the band and, and looking up to them as much as I did. I was like, I want to, I want to be able to be that awesome. Kind of, and there, there was just more of a mentorism kind of going, which is, which is crazy because the only guy older than me at the time, I mean, Eric was obviously the granddaddy, 
like just the rest of the guys looking up to them. I'm like, you know, a decade older than the kids and I'm still learning something from them. So just wanting to be a better person. And it was, it was an awesome place to be with those guys. And in that scene that I was just kind of discovering at the time where people just wanted to become better people and like, yeah, this is, this is more like it kind of set me on that path, which is awesome. Definitely positive influence for what totally you right. get into later on in life. Yeah, man. Okay. So let's talk about, yeah, you guys played, played the Rainfest in 2012, I believe. Yeah. Oh, that was with, was that with Gabe and Jinx, I believe. That might've been, yeah. Because there were several shows that you guys no, played with. Sorry, sorry. Uh, Gabe and Jinx. Like that, the Undertow, the, the Undertow second last on, Undertow. That was the first show. Was yeah. With, was with Gabe and, J- and Jinx as well. Jinx on bass. And yeah, so we played with Gabe and Jinx. Oh shit. That's right. That's right. Which was rad. It was cool. It was just like, you know, it's all just strain members, man. Just like mixing and matching. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, and that's the thing with Sean. Sean is like all about that kind of thing. Like he doesn't like to bring in outsiders into a project. He wants to bring in like, if anything, like people who have been a part of the project. I mean, like the same thing with, with this project uh, by thread that we're doing now, my brother cannot play um, drums anymore for health reasons um, at, at that level and, and that the loudness. Uh, and uh, so we obviously, you know, we're not going to go searching for a drummer. Like we're going to talk to Gabe because he was like one of the first guys we jammed with at the time um, trying to start this band. So, uh, so like, except for a bass player, <laughs> which we're, we're using now, but like, yeah, his, and I, I support that way of thinking, just like keeping it in the family, you know, that's just like another incarnation of strain. And I was stoked to be part of that one too. And Jody was also fucking super stoked to be there. He just, he's always like, yeah. So like, even if we get like the call, he'd be like constantly calling us, let's do it. Let's do it. Come on guys. Let's do it. <laughs> I was like, like, yeah, fuck. We'll do it. It's just like so stoked all the time. Yeah. You know, I miss that. I miss his hunger for shit. Like he's just always stoked for it. Yeah. So that's how that one turned out. And uh, that came around and Converge played it as well. I guess they ended up playing. That was about it. And then after that was Rainfest. And that was with, uh, yeah, that was with the original lineup. And uh, that was, that was cool too. It was just, it just, it was just, you know, after so many years going into hardcore scene, um, you you look out and there's like a huge spot in front of the, the stage that, it's just empty full of people swinging their fucking arms and just a bunch of hooligans. You know, like, I don't like, I never liked the kickboxing thing. I fucking hated it. And I still do. I think it's stupid. Yeah. It keeps, it keeps people away from, you know, enjoying the music up front and it's, it's intentional. They're intentionally trying to hit people. Like it's, it's a thing, right? I, I, maybe I'm, I'm fucking ignorant to maybe it's evolved into this new fucking movement or something. But whatever it is, it's fucking stupid. It's violent, and I I don't like it. And that's part of one of the reasons that um, big reasons like we saw hardcore change, and we decided to leave it and start something else, um, not as violent. Um, so that, that you know that, that was probably a big thing for you know to see that shit. And that, that shit was happening at that Rainfest show. It was just like, there's yeah. like it was empty almost. You know, people just they don't want to go near these fucking crazy guys. Like I don't know where that came from. It's fucking stupid though, and I don't like it. I don't know. What are your thoughts on it, Jay? Like, I, you probably know more about this kickboxing I've, thing than me. I don't, I'm not a fan either. And I mean, coming, being in the hardcore scene later and us playing, you know, not that you weren't playing, you had your by thread going on, but, you know, touring and, and seeing different hardcore scenes and stuff like, I'm not a fan at all. 
but I mean, I can understand it a little bit. It's a different generation of kids, you know, that didn't grow up like we did and didn't know, you know, for the most part, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I get it. You know, um, it's just an, another one of those things. And, you know, that was going back. That started way back, even like undertow. Yeah. In like think, 94, 95, you know, think, that they brought that to, to Seattle, you know, with them. I think the first time we saw that was actually in, in, uh, at one of our shows, we played uh, San Francisco. You remember that one, Chris? That's when we, yeah. that's when we uh, met Pusshead that that trip. And, yeah, totally uh, remember that. Um, yeah, that that was the first time we saw. We were like, what is this fucking shit? You know, it just looked like a bunch of jokers out there, and yeah. uh, it turned into something. And yeah, like the Undertow guys brought it up wherever. Those Undertow yeah. guys were just so ahead of the curve. Like they're doing all the the cool new shit. You know, like Clint Morrissey or. Or whatever it was. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, I uh, uh, when that was happening, I mean, I look back to uh, even back in the days uh, when there were metal, when we were going to metal shows and playing metal shows, and there there was just like neo-Nazi assholes that were in the crowd, and it's almost an extension of that. I mean, these guys are more into the kickboxing, and it's it's less about um, a racial thing or or a Nazi thing. It's just stepping up that intensity and it's a bit more violent and it's uh it's kind of not cool like you say it keeps people away but that was my first thought was you know the old metal shows we'd go to and, and the neo-nazi dudes would show up and some of the punk shows where the nazis would show up and things would get a bit violent so i don't know if it's a generational thing or if it's just every every show every now and then you know you're gonna get some dudes who are just straight assholes and they just want to incite issues and uh and get violent with people so I think it's going to happen in every form of heavy music, but you just got to fight back against it and don't let it happen. Yeah, um, for sure. I agree, man. Yeah, I don't know. I think for a lot of, you know, people that do that stuff, I think a lot of it has to do with like insecurity for a lot of them too. And a lot of people that want to flex their muscles, you know, and like, and then a lot of them, people are just shitty fucking people that want to weed out the fucking weak people from the scene. Yeah. And that's yeah. fucked up. That's what it seems like to me too. It's like, yeah, but I think Tickets. now, I think now, like, since, you know, since you guys, you know, were around and even burden, I think, like, the, the amount of different subgenres has grown so significantly oh, yeah. now, you know, that, like, that's, that's, that, that whole scene where it's just, like, it's called Beatdown. It's called now, beat it's just bands, low tune chug bands of people fucking right, yep. like that's all they do. It's like their songs are one big, huge mosh part and they beat the shit out of each other. Oh, okay you know so it's a little <laughs> bit different now but yeah no i'm just not too much testosterone yeah. for me man i'm not a, i'm not a big fan myself <laughs> definitely not um yeah, so yeah. but those- we've seen steps go through there like you look at bands like terror who are fucking amazing but it started to like especially east coast it started to get kind of pretty violent right um and beyond just good friendly violent fun it was uh not cool and i guess it's just stepped up the intensity even more we're we're just getting old i think guys yeah i hate to <laughs> say it but i, I mean fucking in the 90s i hated seeing it the first time man so yeah like, i don't know maybe yeah either or just yeah. whatever do your thing enjoy yourself but you know exactly that shit just shit definitely had a had a thing with driving me kind of away from going to hardcore shows as much as i did but you know what looking back on that in the north i mean seattle had it was was definitely always i think a little bit they had you know the random shows and stuff like that a little bit more scene drama than vancouver always had you know a pretty good scene i can't remember like there was very rarely any fights physical fights you know that's true we didn't have freaking yeah, gangs yeah. or you know shit like that you know vancouver was always a pretty pretty positive scene 
Hopefully, yeah, right? Agreed, yeah. Mixing like the bands are always a mixed bill too in, in Vancouver growing up anyway. Like well, growing up, yeah. Yeah, it was just it was just crazy how like everyone was just playing shows and it would could have been anyone on that bill. You know, you start you learn like, you know, engine kid would play with like face puller or you know, or whatever. It's like those are like those are fucking cool days, man, where it just everyone's just kind of together. Spark market playing with the smalls or you know, whatever it was, right? Yeah. Well, like, we were way more into exploring music at the time and uh and you got good friends with different musical tastes and everybody gets together and plays different genres and just fucking rocks out. Yeah, I yeah, know. Definitely. I mean, like say me and John were going to the same shows in the suburbs and I had like touched on that earlier guys. And I'll just bring this up again because I did bring it up with Sean and Eric about that too, that how it went from, like I said, John, that, that pit metals hall with all your friends, bands, all totally different styles and stuff to like all of a sudden Vancouver had a hardcore scene. Yeah. And people were coming to see Strain. And then Strain had that influence on everybody, everybody else down the line, right? They were actually, Strain were the first metallic hardcore band in Vancouver, without a doubt, right? You know, thinking how many bands, Capone, even, right? Yeah. Like Capone, you know, was awesome. But how many people were, called them Strain Jr.? Yeah, right? they were, def- they were definitely Strain Jr. I loved Capone. <laughs> but like, and you know, Burden didn't sound a lot like Strain, but they definitely, influ- you know, you guys definitely influenced us. I kind of keep tabs on, I don't get to many, that many all ages shows anymore, like pre-pandemic or whatnot, but I do go to the, to a few shows once in a while. And like, you know, I'm on the internet as well, like on the Vancouver hardcore board, like strain is definitely not a band that is ever going to go away and gets brought up as like, you know, synonymous with Vancouver hardcore, like that influence and stuff. What you guys did is, is never going to be forgotten like i always say anybody tell any interview i do it comes up like the strain is freaking vancouver hardcore the most important band to me easily like easily it's awesome thanks bro thanks brother definitely man a huge huge part of my life yeah huge part of all of our lives really right (laughs) so that's fucking that yeah that's been kind of cool watching you go through this like you've been in the scene kind of from the start along with us but and uh kind of documenting all this and you were one of the first guys i ever met that was so into different music i remember your uh your bedroom just like plastered with every different poster and so many different styles of music and uh and different bands that you're into and yeah. picking up off of off of you different bands and uh yeah you were at all the shows and have really kind of documented the history of, of kind of metal and hardcore in vancouver bro Thanks, man. No, I appreciate that. No, that's that's the one thing I've always been super duper, absolutely, since I was a little kid, into music, buying every, growing up, every metal magazine, right? And then getting into punk and, and hardcore later on, you know, in junior, buying every fanzine at, you know, at track or downtown. I just always have wanted to be, to know everything about all the bands and stuff, right? So, and that, you know, continued, you know, through even till today, like I still... Yeah, like I'm super stoked to interview you guys and Sean and Eric because there's questions I'd had forever, like, you know, which was which was is really cool. And, you know, a lot of people are interested as well. Like, you know, the, the podcast is 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 so fun to do. Editing's a freaking bitch. Yeah, that Editing right? sucks. Yeah. But um, it's all worth it when it's done, you know. Yeah. But it, it's cool because I listen to a lot, like a lot of people, I think listen to a lot of podcasts now even maybe to compared to music i know i do you know but you know it's cool to you know to talk to old friends and catch up and and discuss the old days and everything yeah man we had some good some good times and 
you know, it's good. We're still all here as adults to reminisce and look back on that. Yeah, man. Totally. Big time. And say, hopefully once this uh, pandemic, hopefully knock on wood is gone and done with, you know, hopefully everyone can get together and actually do this in person. Cause I know for me, it's really cool to see you guys, you know, on the, on the screen and stuff, but nothing's like getting together and, and actually talking it out. Right. Like I think the last time I saw you guys was actually at Jody's funeral. Yeah. Most likely, man. So just, I mean, that's just partly being an adult. Never mind the pandemic, right? So yeah, this is going to be w- one of the only big things and, and important things that's come out of the pandemic that uh, you can look at. And what the silver lining is, how much we want to get back together, and how much people want to see each other because we've been away for so long, right? If it had never happened, who knows how long before we would have got together again? Hey. Anything? Actually, come on. Let's this kind of like I don't know. I'm kind of bummed a little a little bit on this. A little bit of a somber note. How about okay. uh, how about you guys each give me a really good Jody story? Oh, you're gonna have lots of those. Oh man, take your. Time. I don't even know where to start, dude. It's like, it's like it's like it's like looking into the abyss with that shit, man. It's like, oh man, I don't even know. Good Jody story, dude. That's like, tough. I just <laughs> you need to be prepared for that stuff. I can't. I can't just pull one out, man. I, at this point, it's kind of like. Fucking you have late. one, Chris. Nothing. Nothing I can think of that like is a major worth telling a big story but just little little things that happened especially when we were on the road which is when i really started to get to know obviously all the guys and jody like when we were in europe obviously being so close and the one i remember jumps in my head right away i can't remember where we were at john you're totally gonna remember this we were out we went and did sound check at the show and then we went out we kind of cruised around town like we did and went to go try and find something to eat and uh, and joey shitting his pants <laughs> it, it, you remember that? yes yes <laughs> I, I, was, I was trying to search for something a little more like less involving feces <laughs> there's less maybe GG. not a whole lot to find but yes involve feces okay we're gonna go there okay Jody, let's totally go there <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember the details uh, but i do remember it happened. yep it was man there's a lot of weird shit with jody on that tour man like gross shit so like <laughs> um yes that show that was a show with the no that was yes was that the show with the carcass shirt uh maybe yeah i don't know he, yeah i'm not sure he i think yeah we were walking through a park and he he shot himself <laughs> in the middle of the park and then he just like pulled off his boxers wiped himself down and like threw it in the garbage and or something. tossed the boxers and yeah played oh, but- commando <laughs> <laughs> but he did it all in front of everyone, man. It's just like, what the fuck, dude? And so like, no fear, man. No fear is like, oh shit, I shit myself. Like, what the fuck? It's like, fuck, I'm gonna stuck in a van with this guy for like two months. That was um, so amazing. But that other the other story on that tour is that is that carcass shirt that was he never changed it for show. Yeah. That was a show shirt. And it was fucking disgusting. It was it like was fucking so disgusting at the end. Oh, my god man that's you know smoky bars and like fucking insane sweats and like whatever that shit's gone through i don't know why he kept it like it should have been thrown out like first show but he kept on using it and then he retired it at this show it was the heart work uh fucking shirt and he yeah. put it up on a tree or something we we're just sitting around it was a nice day i remember sitting around and he put it on a tree and this guy came out like is that your <laughs> in broken english is that your carcass shirt and he's like yeah i was like 
do you want it? He's like, yeah. So he just grabs it and you're like, I think he even put it on and we're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> if you only knew where that shirt had been. Like, oh, like, it was so rank, dude. Like it was the most ranked thing I've, oh God. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so there's those ones. And then obviously like him popping his little, whatever it was, uh, <laughs> that's fucking that welt that he had on his on the side of his oh, body God, yes we i think we have video of it like it's like he's he's like someone pop it please there's this gigantic <laughs> fucking grown hair thing like we got a hot needle like going into it and it's like oh there's always something oh. with him man there's always something like that you know but my my uh my what i wanted to add was like around 2008 ish it was summer 2008. We were going out in the boat lots and um, he had his, he had his boat and we'd, we would go to Stave Lake and, you know, hang out and just jump in the lake and just have, fuck, it was just such a great summer being on the water. You know, we had a lot of friends around us and it was just like this time when everyone was kind of together. He was there and uh, um, with, you know, Tristan was there and she was just a little kid, you know, every day we'd just get on the water and fucking do it again, do it again. Everyone became really tight that summer and i remember him even telling me like at the end of the summer he's like i can't wait to do it again next year or something i'm like yeah but, you know i just noticed that in, i noticed a progression in life whereas you know things things happen and they're good and then it you're not guaranteed to that will continue you know in life like it like you know it, it's probably gonna fizzle and it won't happen again and i just like, kind of told him that and he's he's surprised that you know he's like what really you don't think we're going to do this again. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. It just seems like some certain things kind of just fizzle away. I want it to happen. And he just kind of looked at it like, like kind of like very like naive a little bit, like, like a kid, you know, <laughs> which I thought was fucking like awesome that he was that, you know, pure about shit. Um, and it, obviously, you know, it didn't happen again. Like it was like a special time. And we always talked about that, um, that summer. And it was a, it was a crazy fucking summer spending with him. Got really tight with him that summer too. Yeah. That's a story. Awesome. Again, man. It's so, so cool that you guys all remain so tight. Like that blows me away. That's so, that, that is that something that real to, to have that man. Like that's amazing. Yeah, man. Thanks man. Yeah. So uh, it was, it, it was cool how certain things. And then ever since then we would always get on the lake. He'd always call me up and you get the beers. I get the subs or whatever from somewhere. <laughs> we just go out there and we just like, just, you know, fucking jump in or just, in, you know, stay in the sun and just enjoy. Like, he's the one who showed me, like, I didn't even know this shit really existed in, in uh, or just like, it's only only 45 minutes away from my house, man. Like, you go and you go to Alouette Lake and on the boat and you, you're just in the middle of, like, wilderness. He showed me that. Like, not a lot of people in the city know that this shit exists around here. It's like, all they're used to is these buildings and just like, concrete jungle, man. Like, but he showed me that side of it and couldn't get enough of it man it's fucking cool nice but. all right guys so we're at over two two and a half hours now so <laughs> sweet is there Just, hey is there, thanks any, thanks any so other much, questions guys. that you that you want asked at all man like we haven't answered like i can't really yeah okay just hold on um what were your you, you two guys favorite shows strange shows oh the other guys said oh my God, both agreed about- castle Castle, castle both times in 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 europe i was gonna say castle castle yeah. is pretty amazing that yeah. must yeah that must have been obviously it, castle is just it, if you can i don't know you played these shows as well jay probably like you just like a place that is probably meant for 200 people but there's probably 500 people there and there, there's not enough room so they're on the stage as well yeah um and there you can't you can't 
when you're breathing, you're breathing, you're breathing like you're not breathing oxygen. Exactly. You know? <laughs> it's like, and you, so and you smell and everyone's smell, like everyone's fucking armpits and whatever the hell, like bad breath, like it's all coming in and you're it's like, and everyone is just on it and sweating and in the moment. It's like, it's like holy the fuck. Stage lights. Yeah. That was Castle, man. Like it was absolutely fucking nuts and supposedly it's not like that anymore. it hasn't been like that since supposedly um, mm-hmm. things change there you know people leave the scene and it's just part of life and people move on but that's what kind of what happened there it's, it's really lucky and I'm, I'm not sure if you guys played there Jay, no we not, never but, did play castle yeah it might have been done at that in 2003 or whatever you guys went that that one and you know what some the, the vancouver like that one vancouver show off main street we're talking about like yeah, that's one of my favorite shows for sure. It's one of my favorite shows. And again, that was a lot like how you described the Castle Show: absolutely packed to capacity, fucking stifling hot, breathing other people's fucking bo and sweat. And <laughs> yeah, it's just the, you can't. It's just that's what the energy that happens when you put or put in those circumstances, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, and the people too, like the people that are there watching the show that. Are, are there to see you and they you know they know the lyrics and they know they know the drops and they know the songs inside and out and they're they're standing right next to you like they are a part of the band singing it like the intensity at those kinds of shows is what we always wanted right it's yeah. how we what we wanted for every show exactly totally it's like it that's that's exactly what we were looking for and it, it you know it was happening I, you can see it in the faces of these you can see some photos there's actually photos floating around of that show and Everyone's just fucking losing their mind, and they're and they're, they're all their faces are like, <laughs> you know, like everyone's on the same page. It's like everyone's just feeling it. It's like it was like so such like a, you know, sounds like hippie saying it, but it's like an oh, organic no. kind of fucking aura like around everybody. Like and we're in the same page. Everyone's on the same page. You know? Totally. The pictures from that first show were on the, with Eric in the crowd. It was from Castle. He was singing. That one I believe. else on one of the releases, I think. Um, but it looks it's absolutely intense picture. Yeah. It captures it for sure. But there's def- there's probably other shows that were awesome on that, obviously awesome on that tour, but that one is the one we were been waiting we were waiting for. So like uh, Prague was really cool as well. So and also Dresden, Germany was rad. I always loved that one. It yeah, wasn't Dresden crazy was like that. Intense. That one show when we were throwing, it was like a paper throwing we were throwing like scraps Con- of paper at each other confetti oh, the confetti uh, war okay fuck. What, that was fuck, freiburg i think Fra- was it freiburg? I think it was freiburg yeah because you i don't know if you were playing again or if you had still um if your arm was still busted but, no, I, was, uh, I was playing that one i think were you playing okay we did a cover we did a grill biscuits cover at the end i remember that with the guys from uh Elysium. But I totally remember that with the confetti all over the place. That was actually a really wicked show. Pretty much every show we played with those dudes was amazing. It was just fun, man. Those guys are fun yeah. to be around. Very. I don't know if you listened to Elysian, Jay, yeah. but yeah, yeah I remember them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Yeah, they're they're good dudes. Mosh, still keeping contact. Right on. Hopefully he listens to this. Oh, shout out to those guys and Mosh. All right. And Frankie G. Frankie G. Man. G. Um, I think that's that's about it, guys. Unless cool. uh, you can think of anything else. Okay, so John, you've got you're writing for the new By a Thread LP, and yeah. anything else musically you're working on? Musically, all my energy is going into this at the moment. It's crazy because we we jam once a week, and every week we have a new song. 
we write the song, record it and move on. We don't look back. So we, we have like this huge pile of songs. We've never really done that before. We were never this, uh, we never felt this creative with the band before. We always kind of stuck in a rut. It felt we were moving forward. And like, I mean, just the last well, yesterday, Sean came up with this song and every song, single song seems to be better than the other ones, you know? So like, it's, awesome. it's, it's going to be a crazy record. So like, yeah, we're all putting our full on, uh, attention into this and make sure it happens and this band needs another something because it's it it we didn't really put out that much you know so we'll see how it goes and we'll see if, what if someone's interested in putting it out or but it should sound pretty crazy man and how about you chris please tell me you're going to come out of retirement i definitely will at some point yeah i had uh really been thinking that this, this is something that I never would have even considered even a decade ago, but just given space constraints and we know you can't just have a drum set in a condo, exactly. um, picking up an electronic drum kit that I can actually play like a real kit and, uh, and be able to practice. I just need the space, but it's been something I've been wanting to do for an awfully long time. It was something I was hoping to get motivated to do last year and uh, the world kind of fell apart. So it, it's something I still feel I can do. Uh, body hasn't totally fallen apart yet. So getting back into drums eventually is a hundred percent just a matter of finding with who and, and how to make it all work. Uh, with life being as changed as it has in the past 25 years and, uh, and the priorities we all have now. Well, it's really, I'm really stoked to hear that, to hear that Chris, cause you're one of the biggest talents I know one of the best drummers that, you know, it's kind of been a shame for you not to, uh, not to have played since strain, you know, I totally understand it. I get it, but no, I'm really stoked to hear that dude. Like one of the, one of the best drummers in the city for sure. Without a doubt. Cheers. Definitely, man. I asked Sean and Eric to pick two of their, their two favorite songs. Strain songs. Strain Strain songs. songs. I don't want to repeat it because they both picked our end. Sean picked sin and oh shit. What was it? Find the one. Oh yeah. Find the one's one of mine for sure. For sure. Yeah. Retaliation. Find the one and retaliation for me. Okay, but I don't, that's the thing. I don't want to necessarily say, to repeat it. Because oh, I want sorry. everybody to have the same one. Even okay. though this is going to be a part two, like to have the same, like maybe, I don't know, think of a way to reward it or something. <laughs> like pick your two favorite songs that Sean and Eric already didn't pick. You know? oh, okay, like, oh, I see. Um, or you don't that's have to. Tough. It's all cool. No, just, um, no, for sure, dude. You know, um, for me, I always loved Alter. Um, and what's well, one of my favorite songs, but I also love Retaliation. Okay. I don't know something about that. So it's so short, but it, it, it just fucking just hammers you in the fucking head. And it, it, was, it was always a, just me and Sean switching off guitars in the beginning. And it was, it's just, it was a fucking awesome song to be part of. Okay. And how about you, Chris? Yeah, I think everybody's on the same page with retaliation. I think if I remember correctly, that was the first song that we, as the unit, uh, we became, I think that was the first song that we all wrote together up to that point. It was just, uh, the previous string songs and, and John and I learning them and playing them. So, um, I might be right that that was our first one and it, it fucking rocked. It was one of the funnest songs. It's still the funnest song to play. Uh, but that's kind of everybody's favorite. I think my, my all time favorite is an old one. So if I can go back to before I was in the band, uh, cataracts, still my favorite string song, I think of all time. <laughs> Uh, it's just, it's such a, such a solid song. That's like the strain song for me. And uh, these years, I think it's probably 
my favorite of all the stuff that we played. Okay, right on. And yeah, I'm not sure if, if you guys had uh, had the chance to listen to the the Kim episode. Oh no, not yet, man. Kim Kim had picked one song from all his from the four bands that he had been in, and he had sent me and chosen Cataract from the original demo, which I had never heard before. <laughs> nice. Wow. Yeah. Which is which is very cool to see the you know the differences in Jody's vote. Some of the lyrics were a little bit different, so that was very cool. Oh, crazy. Yeah, I would like to hear that. I don't know if I have heard that. For a sure, of them ended up on Bomb Weedemark, I think. Okay, but I never heard. Definitely yeah, cataract heard that cataract though. version. Kick okay, ass. guys, I just want to thank you again for giving me your time, and it's yeah. been by and awesome. I've, you know, it's been awesome catching up with you guys. It's, it's been way too long. It's thank been you. awesome, brother. Thanks for having us, man. Cheers, man. Thanks for this. You're welcome. All right, guys, take care, and hopefully, we'll get to see you once this crazy. COVID is done. Yeah, man. You got it. Yeah, stay right, healthy, guys. bros. You too. Take care, guys. Right on. Peace out, guys. Talk Thank soon. You. Later. Bye-bye. Ciao. Bye.
Yeah.